This podcast is brought to you by JList.com. Ever since I moved back from Japan over five years ago, JList has offered us devoted support as they have to so many organizations in the anime community. And, and we as a podcast and myself personally are so very grateful for all the support that JList has offered us over the years. And at the end of August, we and JList have decided to end our promotional arrangement. It's pretty unusual for a company to run promotions for as long as JList has. And we're pretty sure that by now, each and every listener that we have knows that they have a friend in Japan and JList to support all their anime shopping needs. And we hope you will continue to be customers of their great products even after our sponsorship ends. And as we pivot our strategy on financial support, we're putting out a beacon to rally all the Anime Addicts troops. We need your help. If you would like to support the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, you can do so over at aaapodcast.com join or on our Patreon page. Together, we can make sure that this podcast continues to make all of your anime addictions worse all over the world. And we love you very much. And now, as always, on with the podcast. If I got sucked into a game, I'd just pee my pants immediately. I, just, I don't know if that's yeah. a function in a lot of games. I'm telling you, I would pee and poop my pants immediately because I would be so scared. You're listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Take your anime addiction to the next level at aaapodcast.com slash join. And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome, everybody, to the 538th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, cast, cast, cast. We're dedicated to making your anime addiction worse. Today, we are joined by the all star crew of Mandy. Mandy, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, not much. I'm, I was looking at anime lamps right now. Oh, well. Before we started, they're really cool, by the way. I'll, I'll talk about them maybe some other time, because I'm thinking about buying one. But hi, guys. Mandy. I'm here, and I'm excited to be here. Mandy Googling Hunter x Hunter lamps. It literally is a... <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> and of course... I'll link it to your guys' chat so you can see what they oh, look lovely. like. Oh, lovely. And on this all-star <laughs> team, the power forward number... What would your number be? Number twenty-seven, Mason. That's not a bad. That's a, not a bad number. I'm not actually not going to have that number for too long. But um, yeah, I guess I was also looking at lamps, not anime lamps, but I was looking at getting like like a nice neon lamp, like backdrop that would say like sushi or something. You know, that that'd be a nice touch for the uh, the room. But anyway, how's it going, everyone? I've got some mood mood rain coming down on me today, so I might hear some big thunderous booms going on. But I'm doing well. Very nice. And of course, I don't know what my position is. Um, uh, shooting guard number 14, Mitsugi. Welcome to the podcast. As, and as I struggle to open up this other energy drink that I have here, I can't get it open. For my birthday, I had the Sonic the Hedgehog drink, and I also have a Mega Man E-Tank. Oh my God. I'm going to be getting my power up here. Is that one also oh, blue? It's, it's blue. It's the same. I'm sure it's the same as the other one. <laughs> 
If you want to follow us, you can do so on our website, aaapodcast.com. As you probably heard in the opening, we will be ending our promotional arrangement with J-List at the end of August. So we need your support more than ever, in, in, at least in the last five years. So if you head over to aaapodcast.com slash join, you can help make sure that this podcast continues as it always has over the last decade. And of course, you're going to get lots of good good stuff here. You're going to be getting over 160 hentai episodes. We, we watched Peter Grill, the first three episodes in the last hentai episode, and mm, those ogre girls were just... <laughs> Wait a second, I need, to, I need a moment. Mitsugi kept on crying out, Mason, why did you not pass this? This is everything I want in anime, but... Those ogre girls, oh my god. Um, <laughs> over 220 Hobby Addicts episodes, and I just wrote a fuck ton of, of after parties. I have no idea how many, but I do know that with a little bit of support from you guys, you'll get access to something like 600 additional episodes uh, of the Anime Addicts podcast that you haven't heard before. So help us out. We, uh, we do need support. So, And uh, also, there is a lot of social media going on. We're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash podcast. So uh, if you come over and watch us live with all the people that tune in every Sunday, you can have, you can have fun with them at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, we're on Facebook. We are doing all kinds of stuff on Facebook, and we, we have a sketch. We, you can see sketches, paintings, cosplays, tattoos, whatever. You can give us your submissions for Fan Art Friday. That's always a lot of fun. And of course, over on Twitter and Discord, Discord being really the hot item, I think, on the list here. Guys, what are we doing over on Discord? Make the pitch. Well, the pitch is first of all, last Friday, I felt like Commissioner Gordon because we had our watch party for the best worst dubs in anime history and i was you now i was the commissioner i stood up on the rooftop i gave the uh the signal to caroline who runs the social media to put out the cat signal and uh across the sky on that friday night four words shown it said garzy's wing drinking party and uh oh, off no. off off from the shadows, watching from the chaos on high. Um, he was long gone from the city, but he was not forgotten. Kazuo came in oh. like a wrecking ball, and uh, we had like 20 people in chat. Kazuo came flying in. All hail the church of Mitsuki. And we uh, peer pressured him to uh, buy all of Garzi's wing on like DVD from Amazon. No, no, you did not. We did. We did. You can look in our chat logs that uh, he Why? posted evidence of it because it was amazing we had so much fun listening to that uh city or tokyo 808 and uh ghost stories episode one so we watched a bunch of dubs and it was we had a blast so if you're like man i really wish i could have gotten in on that well we will be having another watch party of a grand design sometime in september so we will keep you up to date but if you want grand uh, adventures like that, Discord's the place to be. We also have our anime club. Uh, next one will be August 26th at 10 p.m. EDT. We're going to be talking Nats- Natsuyuki Rendezvous, which is some weird romance show that I actually need to start watching so I can be up to date for that. You can watch it on High Dive or Amazon. So we'd love to see you there. We also have my manga club, and the next one will be on September 2nd. We'll be discussing the first two volumes of Yuri is My Job. And uh, yeah, it should be fun, so come join us on Discord. All you have to do is go down to the manga club channel, and you can get, um, if you check the pin note there, you can get all the information that you need on what we are reading, the chapters, the time, and uh, there's also a list there of things that are 
coming up next. So uh, join up. All you have to do is get into the voice chat. Well, of course, read the book first. <laughs> then get, jump into the ch- uh, voice chat at 10 p.m. EDT uh, next Wednesday, uh, which is September 2nd. And uh, we'll just have a very laid back discussion about it. Wait, is it September 2nd? Let me check again. It yes, is. it is. Okay. <laughs> and it'll be very laid back. You don't even have to talk if you don't want to. So come join us. And I guess if you don't, if you're not sure how these go, you don't have to read the book. You can just come in and listen and hear what it's all about. And hopefully it will you inspire want. you. You won't have a lot to say, but it's still a fun time. Yeah. All right. And I, I just can't believe he bought all of Garzy's wing. Like, Why? Why I mean, it's only that? three they're, episodes, they're, and uh, I mean, essentially, we talked about how no matter how many times you've seen it, it's never not funny, and there's always more lines to pick up. Help, I'm stuck you, in the land of 12th to 13th century peasants. I mean, but you lied to him. It's terrible. Uh, so. No, it's amazing. You just no. need to have friends to watch it with. That's the kicker. <laughs> there's never been a more appropriate time to play this drop. No Poor way! Anyway... <laughs> So the listener's choice poll for 2020 summer is up. You can find it on our social media. And I also posted a link into the Twitch. So go vote for summer 2020 listener's choice. That'll probably stay up for about a week. There really isn't a whole lot to choose from. I mean, there was only like 20 shows from from summer and we, we passed eight of them. So there's really only a few left. And of course, Oton Joby and Mary Tokozaimas. Mandy's birthday was, was I believe, yesterday. Oh. So... Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Mandy. Thank you. So. Thank you. I'm 22 again. Holy shit, I am old. That's what they said in Discord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they thought I was 22. I was like, yes, yes, I am 22. <laughs> and for this episode, guys, we're going to be doing a bring your own topic. <laughs> so for the topic today, we're each going to bring something unique to the table, something to discuss, something to do. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be an activity, maybe it'll be a debate, maybe it'll just be a topic, like who the hell knows, but we're going to have some fun. And of course, then... Now, Big O, it's showtime! We're going to do a review on the Big O, which is the retro review that was selected by Mason. So we're going to be doing that later on. But uh, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let's start the podcast with some big news. It's time for big news of the week. For big news of the week, we have on there is an online petition that is demanding that Weekly Shonen Jump put uh, content warnings on their manga for sexual violence. And uh, so on change.org petition, it is titled, We Boys Are Not Wolves. Shonen Jump Should Distinguish Between Eroticism and Sexual Violence. Concluded on Friday after collecting over 4,000 online signatures in just over a week. Uh, Weekly Shonen Jump should... one thing that they that they would like it says weekly shonen jump should include content warnings or explanatory notes and panels containing sexual violence he also demanded the person who put this together demanded for jump to survey its readers about their level of sexual education in order to create expressions of sexuality that can be properly grasped by the audience and uh, their campaign organizer shared his own views on weekly shonen jump as a weekly Shonen Jump reader. And he said often he often reads manga with sexual content when he was in, uh, or he often read 
manga with sexual content when he was in elementary school. And since talking to others who aren't as comfortable with that sexual content, he came to realize that not everyone is... Wait, this is worded weird. (laughs) This is worded kind of weird. Okay, since... Talking to others who are not comfortable with sexual content, you came to realize that not everybody is comfortable with that type of content. There we go. Um, Personally speaking, this person said, I feel comfortable, uncomfortable when I look at Jump these days and how it gleefully sells women's bodies as if they are livestock. Perhaps out of a belief that they won't be criticized if it's between girls, there are more manga these days which show girls sexually harassing other girls. Very true. <laughs> we see that anime all the time. But they said, I want Jump's editors to realize that regardless of who is doing it, sexual acts performed without consent of both parties is sexual violence that hurts people. And he goes on and says, he does argue that Jump manga these days um, conditions its readers to perceive female bodies as erotic. And he argues that many of the female characters who are sexualized in manga are younger than high school age and therefore are considered minors. So, I mean, yeah, I I don't see anything wrong with having content warnings. I, especially when Shonen Jump is targeted at a younger audience who, I don't know, I, I, I just, I think in any case, content warnings is not a bad thing. Because it doesn't look like he's saying you need to just uh, completely get rid of everything that has existed in the past. It just sounds like he wants concept warnings put on the manga so that people who maybe are too young to know the difference between, you know, fictional content and reality could probably have be able to avoid that stuff. I mean, it's is what it looks like to me. Pretty much everything else on in, on planet Earth has a rating on it. Like games have ratings. Movies have ratings, TV shows have ratings, like, I don't know, fucking everything has a rating. So, like, I don't know why, like, I don't read Shonen Jump, you know, I don't even read manga, really, I just watch anime, but I know that anime has ratings, and so, if you open up Shonen Jump, I don't really see the difference in having, like, a rating at the front of the art, of the front of the, of the, you know, whatever it is. I don't know if it does. Well, I mean, I've never read the actual magazine, but I do read it on the app. So I, I don't know. I have the I actual magazine. One. I would show it, mm-hmm. but it's at my other location. But I haven't seen any sort of ads anywhere saying like this. This chapter from this work is you know PG thirteen equivalent, or this one's PG, or there's nothing on mm-hmm. the front. So it's it's kind of just assumed that if you're picking up, you're in for whatever contained. And I think the the comment about people conditioning readers is pretty accurate considering a lot of the readers are younger and that's mm-hmm. no they're they're not going there to get their view of the world but it's getting fed to them in that way so i think what you give people especially children at a younger age is pretty vital to their upbringing and development yeah for sure because yeah there's a a very large difference between being adult and knowing that what you're reading is fictional and you can choose for yourself whether or not you hate or you know hate or like it you know that it's not that's that's not how the real world works but especially when you're a younger kid and you might be like oh it's funny to grab a woman's you know private parts ha 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 that's not cool probably don't teach that to kids i feel like this is like fine like i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with having a rating like on the front of shonen jump that says you know, uh, 
16 and 13, like 13 plus or whatever, or putting the ratings on the, on the, mm-hmm. on, on individual stories in the, in the magazine, like, oh, this one's 17 plus, or this one's, you know, uh, youth or whatever the fuck you want to, whatever rating system you want to come up with. But like, this seems a little late. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I hear, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume it came up because of the recent talks of what's going on with show to jump authors for sure. Probably. But like, I mean, there is generally, no, I mean, you'd have to go back pretty damn far in anime or manga or whatever to find a time when anime wasn't chock full of this. So like, you're talking about, you're talking about 30 to 40 years of like butt slap jokes and man-made may and and um like um love hina and fucking goku slapping uh uh bulma's crotch area and master roshi nosebleeds like i don't know i just like we're a little late to the boat and i don't know i just my only concern is that it that is that if if it gets if if we get a little too gung-ho with this then I, i just hope it doesn't start to like stifle the way that people create manga and that people don't get turned off of even creating things like I don't know I, I feel like you can't really force manga creators to do a certain thing otherwise they're just going to get pissed off and not want to do it and so as long as it's just like ratings if we, we start like boycotting manga and stuff like that because Miroku grabs Songo's ass like I don't know I, I'm not sure how like I'm fine with ratings but if, if people start getting outraged and start saying oh like oh well fucking Yasha because Miroku grabs someone's butt like I don't know. No. That is kind of bullshit, though. Manga probably shouldn't rely on jokes like that because it, it's not funny. It, it probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, someone's buying it. I mean, I still don't like Concho. That's that that's, scares me. Where they put the fingers up the butt. Like well, I, I know it's a joke and like not in the same vein, but still, like I have been Conchoed, so I uh, in public. So <laughs> yeah, it's just like anything else. It is a form of you know unwanted assault, like, uh, and let's 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 cut all that out, please. Thank you. Why? Well, I think that I like agree. I think I was conchoed by like a five year old, so I don't know. I guess the point is that like um, putting a rating on something, in my, in my opinion, is that putting a rating on something is enough. If someone is like, if someone opens up a manga and it says rated sixteen plus for sexual humor or something, and they read it anyway and are pissed off, like that's your fault. Like it says sixteen plus sexual humor, like I don't want to see you. Uh, you know, writing hate mail or doing change.org petitions because you got mad about something that you read after you were warned. So, and I don't know, it's, if, if, if Shonen Jump has been thriving for this long off of that kind of content, like, it is selling. Like, like it's like, I always get frustrated when, like, I see a video game that I thought was really bad selling, like, 10 million copies. Like, I was talking about, to, like, I thought Final Fantasy 15 was a horrible game. I hated it. It sold like 14 million copies. So like you were rewarded for for the way that you made Final Fantasy 15. So I 100% fully expect that Final Fantasy 16 is going to be just the same way. It's going to be the exact same game, same content, same flow, and I'm not going to like it. So if you if you put out a manga and it's got shit in it that that makes people uncomfortable, but it sells 40 million copies, the next guy is just going to do the same thing. And I feel like this has happened long enough that it's kind of proven out that like manga with like butt slapping jokes and conchos in it are selling copies so i don't know um i don't really I think that's what he's arguing against i don't think he's arguing that they're not selling just that we probably shouldn't be selling those to kids because especially look what 
some of the authors these days who are the kind of wow. shit that they're getting into. It's a little concerning. And, and I'm going to be honest, I don't, like I said, I don't read Shonen Jump, so I don't even know what this guy's referencing. Like, the only thing I know is, like, butt slap jokes and Goku, like, wondering why Bulma doesn't have a penis and all this. And, you know, that's like a really old reference. But, like, he, the article that I read made this sound like super seedy. Like, like, like Shonen Jump has rape scenes in it and stuff like that. I'm, I don't read Shonen Jump, so like I'm clearly not going to say rape scenes are fine ever because it's ridiculous. Like I don't know why that's in <laughs> Shonen Jump magazine that's meant for teenagers, but, but well, um, butt slaps and groping are still sexual violence, and that's not cool. But if you put a rating on the front that says this has butt slaps in it, and they read and they read it anyway, I yeah, mean, that's all he wants, I think. But I think he's concerned with selling this to kids because we're probably not teaching them the right thing. Well, and first of all, I thought that sh- I thought that Shonen was way for younger audiences than it is. Like Shonen's like I, I looked it up; it's like all the way until eighteen is considered Shonen. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I was like, why is there anything sexual in like stories meant for what I thought was like nine to fourteen? But like that's not. <laughs> There's a large gap. Yeah. That's not even like the the accurate thing, you know. I just I don't know. I guess. Uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I guess I'm just, I'm fine with ratings and warning people about the content and stuff. But if we start like wholesale boycotting like half of the manga industry because people don't like, half of Shonen manga get boycotted because people get mad about, you know, whatever's in them. I don't even read them, so I don't know. But I get to see another wave of, of manga creators being pissed off. Like before it was like making characters look that look too young and you know there's there's valid arguments against that but they they were all fucking pissed off about that you know and so i can just see another wave of people being pissed off about something everyone's gonna get pissed off at everything i don't think what he said is wrong though i think it's good to have concept warnings and maybe maybe let's try to steer authors away from making those kind of jokes because it's not funny it's not cool (laughs) And the other thing is that, like... Sexual violence is not a good a thing to joke about. Well, I'm all for content warnings. I, and the other thing, though, is that, like, I haven't read the Fire Force manga, but, like, we were having a conversation about how there's characters in Fire Force that are basically just, like, sexualized characters. But there's also scenes of people getting, like, their, their limbs and torsos blown in half in Fire Force. There was some intense violence in the first three episodes of the anime of Fire Force. And it's, like, if you're going to... Like I don't know that we should be feeding fourteen-year-olds, you know, decapitations either. So where do we stop the the conversation? If 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 they can't watch a guy get it, slap a girl's butt, he probably can't watch a guy rip a dude's spinal cord out. So there's a big difference in what they can be accomplished by a child, though. Maybe. I think they know that they they can't rip a guy's spine out by themselves. They, well, they maybe, can see he, where the line easier between the fantasy of yes. superpowers versus oh, I can touch people. Just like them. And it's funny. Ha Because yeah. let me tell you, lots of women have a horrible history with that, me included. It's especially in high school and it's always treated as, ha a big joke. Oh, kids, you know, they, they grow out of it. It's a phase. It's not cool. Well, anyway, there's all, all degree. I went, I kind of went to the height, to the hyperbolic for the example, but like, you know, little kids can do plenty of damage to other people. You could kick people in the balls, gouge someone in the eyes. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, but we can move on. I, do you guys think anything will come of this? Of this change.org? I don't think four thousand signatures isn't really a very big. Uh, it, a change.org petition with four thousand signatures isn't going to move the needle. But um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if anything will come will come of this. But 
clearly Shonen Jump has some issues because of thoughts like this and also of the actions of manga creators, there's got to be a lot of eyes on Shonen Jump right now. So do you guys expect that Shonen Jump will take any kind of action to change their ways, so to speak? I mean, it seems like they've stepped in it a few times, so to speak, in the last short period. I mean, I don't think anything don't from know. like this explicitly, they're going to be like, oh, this change.org thing, we will change our ways. But I think, nonetheless, we need to continue to have the conversation to expect better. For and sure. I'm not saying, oh, we need to heavily edit our content and change their creative process, but just develop the community and culture that better allows mm-hmm. um, messages that don't get across that has you know these problematic elements. So best we can do is just yeah. bring it to people's intention and hopefully things come of it. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we move on? Uh, yes, yes. But before you do, I petition that we change the big news of the week drop to the big O opening where it says big news, bump, 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 <laughs> big news, big news, big oh news. Bump, 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 bump. Now, yeah. Sorry. I've been watching uh, way would, too much big O in the past week. <laughs> it's a pretty clever idea. We'll have to, have to see if, if that would, no, it should you, be possible. You can't change the classics. Anyway, we can oh, move well, on. You don't. All right. <laughs> Howdy, partner. I seen you riding in on that dusty trail. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the moe. Welcome back for the good this week. The Ghibli Museum will be reopening in September. Um, The museum dedicated to the anime of Studio Ghibli will allow the general purchase of tickets beginning August 25th with a planned grand reopening in September. Uh, The museum closed February 25th to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in collaboration with all of Mitaka City in which it is located. And I'm glad to see them get back up on their feet. We all went there as part of the AAA Japan trip back in the day. I went again a year later, and it's a, it's a cute little place, and it's a bunch of fun. I'm just glad to see it back. I don't know if we didn't count it. Uh, for the bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of surprised that it's opening, considering Japan is like on full lockdown still. So, mm-hmm. I mean, September is not exactly far from now. <laughs> it's like next week. So, I don't know. I mean, nobody can travel to Japan right now. And as far as I know, a lot of stuff is closed. So, I don't know, maybe Mitaka isn't really heavily impacted, but people travel to the Ghibli Museum from all over Japan, so I'm kind of shocked, actually, that this is opening already. But then again, Miyazaki's kind of, you know, older and, you know, I don't know. Maybe not, doesn't care. I just don't know. Honestly, though, like... It's not the easiest thing to... You can't just waltz into this museum. You can't walk there, buy tickets, and just go in. Like, it's pretty heavily regulated. And I think of all the places, like, they could do a pretty good job of, like, limiting the amount of people in, limiting the flow throughout the place. It's not very large. Like, I think... I think they could... I Obviously, I don't... Wouldn't go, and I don't know if it's the safest thing, but I'm sure they could do a pretty good job of guiding people through the flow without too much spread of disease. I think there were some areas that were a little bit more packed. I'm trying to think. I'm, I remember the area where you got to see, like, like the kind of mock-up station of, like, where Miyazaki kind of worked. Yeah, the work stations of, uh, with deal. the desks. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. I remember that area being kind of 
densely packed with stuff, but but they could flow the people part, through that of, pretty well. A lot of areas, though, had a, a lot of big space from what I remember. So I think that they could do kind of like a what what like grocery stores are doing now with like the the one, the one way aisles <laughs> just separate people yeah. every six feet and just like wait a bit of time before the group in front of you goes. Like I think they could police yeah. it pretty well. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Japan right now. You, you have that option. For the rest of us, we'll have to wait a little bit longer before we can go back. Uh, for the bad, uh, a recent string of assaults and arrests in Japan over Pokemon Go. Uh, recently, Japan has seen at least two recent cases of assault involving the game. One was in Hokkaido, where police arrested a 56-year-old man who uh, assaulted another guy in a fight over an in-game gym battle in early August. I think he was over... I think he was over 52. Oh, we had an Just old man battle. Old guys fighting. <laughs> Some guy got his gym taken over, and the other guy's like, I can't I can't fight him in-game. His Pokemon are too strong. I have to do the next next best thing. He pulled a Team Rocket. <laughs> Blasting off again. Um, the other one was with a 35-year-old man in Sapporo, and I think this one is the more wild situation. The mm-hmm. He spotted a car on the side of the road that was parked sloppily in reverse. And when he looked inside, he saw a man playing Pokemon Go, and it annoyed him so much to see someone playing the game in such a state of a terrible park job that he kicked the car, chased the car's owner outside the vehicle, and hit him in the face twice before being restrained by police, which, uh, that's commitment. It's not funny, but it's also funny. (laughs) Like... He wasn't even upset. Like, he was just upset that he parked so poorly. Maybe he was giving it's a bad so name dumb. to Pokemon Go players. Or maybe he saw like a Team Instinct sticker and was like, this guy's the enemy. I'm Team Mystic. Either that, <laughs> I think he hates Pokemon Go. He's super grumpy about it. It's possible. <laughs> well, no, well, he's playing Pokemon Go. Both were playing Pokemon Go. Was he? Yeah. I thought he wasn't playing. I thought he was just walking. I think he was walking playing Pokemon Go when he saw this guy. Listen, I, I, oh. I fully understand and... I just I sympathize with the guy because as a person who lived in Japan, they back into every parking spot everywhere, and it is so fucking aggravating <laughs> when you're like just trying to drive through a damn lane at the grocery store to like exit, and there's like four cars backing into their parking spots, just agonizingly slowly, and you're just like fucking move, pull in front wise. You you can absolutely identify the people that are foreigners based on how they park. If they park front ways, they're foreign every time. So. If I had a dollar for every time I was pissed off by someone parking backwards, whether they're doing a good job of it or not, I would have such, I would be so freaking rich. So, very interesting. PSA, don't back into your parking spots, please. Speaking of backing up really quick, Peter Wright in the chat asked if the Studio Ghibli Museum has an exhibit with how many cherry brand cigarettes Miyazaki has smoked. And I know they haven't, but do you remember at his workstation if they had the cigarettes yes. there? <laughs> they they sure did. They did. So... At least one, at least one, so there you go. (laughs) And finally, for the Moe this week, online video experiences blow up amidst quarantine. Um, First case, we have a haunted house based in Tokyo where they offer online horror experiences through Skype, Zoom, and Vimeo starting up in August. It's super cool. So, so, yeah, you contact these people, and uh, has this, like, occult fanfic, like, play out where... The guy opens a Zoom call with the lecture, and there's a whole, I don't know, spooky story. I don't know if you read more into it, Mandy, if you knew more details. 
Yeah, it's set up like you are kind of like part of an occult club, mm -hmm. and the person who's guiding you is like showing you some new stuff that he found, and then some creepy stuff happens around him, and I think he carries like the camera through, and there's lots of actors and uh, ghosts and stuff, and it looks really cool. I want to do it. I wish that they would let us do it. Would it be cool if we did it as a club? I, I, I would guess think they so. Would I mean, if it's, it's, it's I don't think they let foreigners Why do not? it. It's I don't know. We'll just have. We don't have subtitles. We don't need them. <laughs> I don't think horror, we can talk to him. Horror doesn't need to be translated. He's just gonna talk to us. So I'll be like. Yep, and we'll just be like <laughs> pretend to be surprised. Because I don't know if you have to be part of it. Like I don't know if you have to communicate with them. I don't. Know. I think they I think were saying it's interactive stories where you kind of like communicate with the people as it goes on. I wish we could. Let's make our own. Yeah, I think it'd be fun as hell to be able to participate. Like. Think about yeah. it. Think about it. Like, would you ordinarily be able to do a Japanese haunted house or whatever from America? No. But could I don't you? Think so. Can, some, but could can you, somebody translate for us? Yeah. <laughs> can we get you to get? You could probably our voice actress. You could probably pay someone like that to just to like get on the Zoom call with you for like half an hour and pay Heck them like pay pay them yes. like fifteen bucks. But here here here's fifteen bucks. Translate this friggin' thing for me, and they they probably do it. P plus, they get to experience the haunted house. Exactly. Why oh, the fuck we should not? definitely do it. It is only like seventeen dollars. That's not bad. That was it. That's not bad. I thought, yeah, it's not bad for like them to do a whole session for just like four, maybe five people. I was like, God, I was expecting that to be far more expensive. But each person, it's only like seventeen dollars. Yeah. Not bad. That reminded me um, of a link that Lorimer in our Discord posted of a drive-in haunted house. I don't know if you guys saw this, but you you take your car and you park it in this like garage and they they close the mm. back and then they sim s simulate a zombie like outbreak and like oh, like yeah. you get like a pair of bluetooth speakers in the car and these ghosts like for 17 minutes just come with like blood and everything and like attack your car and like maul it and everything and uh my car or do we get to be in someone so else's it's, car so you can use your own car for 75 dollars but since no. most people in tokyo don't have a car you, you pay $85 and they give you a car. And it's funny, the, the article I posted has a picture of like um, a person like dressed up as like a ghoul, like wiping the car down because they have to clean it once they're done. And that's part of the service. Uh, <laughs> nope. Nope. Y'all like, y'all like jumping on my car. I don't know. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> it's brand new. <laughs> so have, watch it. Watch the, watch the paint. They don't scuff it. <laughs> that's exactly. That's the, that's the scary part about it is watching your car. That is get the ruined. scariest part. Someone jumps on your car like, no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, another video service to get back on track is uh, a cheerleading video service where <laughs> once again, also through like, Skype or Zoom or Vimeo, uh, these are actual cheerleaders with like the pom poms and everything, and they will cheer you up to raise your spirits during the shutdown. And this is intended for a variety of demographics to shake off, you know, the which, uh, which the funk exactly. So, I I think I could pass on this one. I think I'd be more interested in the the scary, the horror phone call or whatever it is. I'm posting a link into the Twitch. It's it's cringy. Like watching this guy, he's like watching these girls dance around. And he's like clapping with them. Like yeah, ah, I'm so excited, it's like it's like a maid cafe Dude, experience, but virtual. Oh yeah, that is what it looks like. Yeah. So yeah. I want to watch the ghost story. We could do it. We could we could probably do it. So it's funny in the in the video. Once the girls like start performing, the girl that's like sitting with him, 
Uh, there's a girl sitting with the guy who's watching, and once they start, like, she takes off. Yeah, she like, nopes oh. out of there real quick. Yeah, she nopes out, yeah. So. All right. COVID. It's driving us to do interesting things. I, I don't know what the fuck. Why would you pay someone to to do a cheerleading routine when you could just Google cheerleading routines or something and, like, watch them for free? I don't that, See, that's what I don't get about the world. It's like people pay for so much shit that you can just find online for free like legally like what would why pay 30 bucks to have some cheerleaders do some dumb shit on, on, on camera for you when you could just go on youtube and watch a cheerleading competition or something there's probably a billion videos don't know but i, I also know. Maybe, see this maybe they cheer uh, with like your name in the chant and you feel personally i don't know i don't maybe, know don't ask me <laughs> I, also, I, I can also see this as being like well they don't the girls don't look that young so there's always that but it's kind of a slippery slope some weird things could go on, but whatever. Anyway, that was fun. I can't wait for coronavirus to be over. <laughs> Anything else, guys? Nah, I think that was it. It's time to live big in Japan. I keep getting asked this question in like private dms on on twitter and on our discord people always asking like about finding jobs in japan they want to know what they should do what's good what's not good and i figured i might as well, i've done this before a while ago but i might as well just do it again just so that people have the info it's not a quit bothering me type of thing it's just like it's clearly clear that people want one information but if you're gonna live in japan and work as a foreigner you pretty much you're going to end up teaching English. I mean, that's just the way it is. You might be able to, if you were like an engineer or a mathematician or something, you might be able to find a job at a company that doesn't really need you to speak English. You just need to be able to do like technical skills, like like coding or something. But um, for the most part, that's not going to be the case. And you're probably going to have a hell of a time finding a job that's high paying like that from across the, the pond, so to speak. So you're much better off just trying to find a teaching job. Gaijinpot.com is a pretty easy way to get this done. Um, I have never really heard of a person that couldn't find an English teaching job in Japan. The turnover rate is insane. They are always hiring people in like massive, massive armies because people go to Japan to teach and they're they're not there for a career. They're there for like a year and then they peace out and then they just repl- they're like replacing the whole workforce like every single you know one to two years. So. If you go to gaijinpot.com, there's like a drop down that has all of the jobs that are on there by category. And it's pretty funny. If you click the drop down on the website and under the jobs cat from the under the job section, it has industries and it's like advertising, two posts, entertainment, one post, automotive, six posts, chemical, one posts, English, a hundred and seventy or education and teaching, a hundred and seventy posts. There are probably, just eyeballing, out of the 30 or 40 categories, there's about four times as many in teaching than in every single other thing combined. That's all they're hiring for. So you can probably find a job with Interac or um, maybe Aon or Jet. Jet, but I don't think Jet posts on, on Giant Gadget Pot. Um, Interac requires you to do training, so you'll have like a one- or two-week training program someplace. The Jet program... I don't even know if this still exists anymore because it was getting its ass whooped by Interact last time I checked. But um, it'll pay, if it does exist, it'll probably pay more. 
but it's going to be highly competitive. You're probably going to have to, you're going to have to go travel to the closest interview center for me before I, I drove from Orlando to Miami, got a hotel. And then the interview was a panel style. So they just like, like five people just like grow you with questions. It's pretty, it's pretty intimidating by most interview standards. Um, and if, otherwise, otherwise, like you're going to interview on Skype, you, you could just be like butt naked pretty much. You just put like a, like a sport coat on and you're good. Uh, the jobs pay. I, I checked some of these on Gaijin Pot. They haven't really, they don't really have much inflation in Japan. So the, these jobs never seem to increase in pay. But um, they're paying between like 200,000 and 270,000 yen per month, which is between 1900 and $2,500 a month. That's before taxes. And which is pre tax twenty one to thirty thousand a year. So I mean, most people twenty one thousand dollars is for by most jobs, that's like that's pretty it's a pretty small amount of money, like if you're from the United States in terms of like average income for the country. So it's not really something I would recommend you do for more than like a year or two just to have the experience. For me, I stopped teaching English in Japan because the financial cost of doing it was just like it was like astronomical i was like this is insane like you know it's like you start adding up like um 401k you're not you're not gonna get shit for benefits so it's like 401k and your salary and all this and it's and it's just like crazy how much money you forego by doing this i still recommend people do it if you want to do it um maybe for just a year or two uh but when you go when you go over there as far as setup is concerned like most places are going to get you set up with what you need like they'll find an apartment for you if you need a car, they'll probably help you find. They'll help you get a car, interact will, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you don't always have control over where you work, though, so just keep that in mind. So that's about it. I mean, it's really not that hard. You know, you just need to like clean up your resume, and just uh, you don't even need to have like a teaching degree. Like some people go, oh, you got to have like um, uh, what is it? English as a second language, so ESL. Like some some people have like ESL training. Uh, they, they, they don't want, they don't need you to speak Japanese. They don't even want you to. So you don't need to speak Japanese. You don't need to be trained in English as a second language. Uh, all you need to do is speak English pretty much. And you don't, you don't even have to be from, from the States or from like England or something. Um, I, I, there were people, I had, I had coworkers that were, where English wasn't even their first language. <laughs> they could still speak it and they were, they were hired. So really not that hard to do. Um, so if you want to go teach English in Japan, definitely recommend it for you guys. And most of the conversations that we have in this particular podcast segment are kind of irrelevant if you're not in Japan. And this is the easiest way to get there. I should also note that if you go to Japan and your job is just freaking horrible, like I, the first job I had in Japan was one-on-one -on -one English teaching in like small classroom setting. And the working conditions were just horrendous. Like it's, borderline abuse like i don't even know that they, that they that they'd be able to do this shit in the states i don't think they'd get away with it um but the fact of the matter is that if you don't think your job is if you're not enjoying your job you can just peace out and like in like a blink of an eye like um the contracts are flimsy and once you're in japan like if you thought getting a job teaching english in japan from the from like america was easy just wait until you're like right down the fucking street from these people uh i got 
I was able to find. I, I put in like two applications and had a had another job in like a week. <laughs> I don't even know if they interviewed me. It was just the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. It was like, it was easier than like going on Amazon and buying buying Clorox wipes right now. Like I'd have an easier time buying. I'd have an easier time finding a job in Japan teaching English while already in Japan than I would going on Amazon right now at this exact moment and buying Clorox wipes. So, <laughs> so if you're in Japan and you hate your job, just peace out. You'll find another job in like a minute. So it's pretty easy to do. So it's the whole. And if you have any other questions, um, contact me on Discord or on Twitter or something. I'm happy to help. This is a pretty broad topic. Um, and I covered maybe a third of what you might need to know here. But having done it, you know, happy to help with uh, anybody who's trying to get to Japan. So that's living big in Japan, people. It's how you do it. Very nice. Well, you, thank you for you, sharing. It's how you get your unlimited ramen. It's how you get your your uh, your Kokuichi Bon Curry. Mm. Unlimited? I don't know. It's so Unlimited. cheap there. You gotta pay for that. It's so cheap though. <laughs> God, ramen in Japan. Ramen in the states is such a racket. Like you'll pay like twenty bucks, and it's not even gonna be that good. And then like you could just go to any random fucking hole in the wall in Japan, and not only will it be better, but it'll cost like six dollars. <laughs> it's just wild. So. That's why you're not wrong. You're not wrong, my friend. Well, with that, we'll move on to trivia. First, we have the website one where you can go to aaapodcast.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and we have a picture from an anime that's one of Caroline's favorite. If you know what it is, you put it in and you can win a fabulous prize. The winner for this last week was Frosty Moon. So, congrats to you. And I think we'll have one more before the end of the month. So, if you want to win the grand prize, Get your submissions in now. We also have an in-show weekly trivia question, which we will answer after the news break. And that is, if you want to stay in Roger Smith's house from the Big O, what rule do do you have to follow about your attire? Stumbled a bit on that one, but we'll see you in just a bit. Mega deuce! Everybody, Mitsugi is here, and I'm bringing you your first anime news break. And we're going to lead off with some news relating to Kiss Anime's closure. Looks like there have been quite a lot of surveys done collecting the attitudes of people from across the world, and it seems like fans of anime and manga from India and Southeast Asia are more upset about the closure compared to other parts of the world. 64% of respondents in India said they were extremely or just sad about the closure of the website compared to 34% in the United States. 7.6% of respondents in India said that they were happy about the closure compared to 24% in the United States, indicating that the U.S. seems to be more anti-piracy than other parts of the world. In Malaysia, 67% said that they were extremely angry about the closure, 7% happy. The Philippines, 57% said that they were angry compared to 6% that were happy. Notably, U.S. respondents had a higher rate of ambivalence. 41% just simply don't really care one way or the other compared to lower percentages elsewhere. So, in summary, it looks like the United States is less keen on piracy than other parts of the world. I don't know why that is. I suspect maybe because anime is more available in the U.S., but I am not entirely sure about that. 
Next up, some manga creators are weighing in on the cancellation of the Act Age manga by Shonen Jump. The We Never Learn manga creator Taishi Tsutsui briefly commented about this in the past week, stated in a now-deleted tweet, In the case of Act Age, when it comes to the victims of Usazaki Sensei and considering the feelings of the editorial department and those involved in the stage play, words cannot express the regrets, resentment, and sadness I feel as a fan. It makes me keenly realize how necessary it is to keep in mind how the how the important people around you feel at all times. Mostly citing the uh, the, the selfishness of acting out alone and also just just expressing regret about the whole events in general. Of course, this is regarding the Shonen Jump cancellation of Act Age that we discussed last week on the podcast. If you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to last week's episode. Next up, Shonen Jump again in the news. The Tsugi Nikudu Manga Awards have been announced, the quote-unquote up-and-coming manga awards. Yoshifumi Tozuka's Undead Unluck has won the up-and-coming manga awards. The Shonen Jump series is licensed by Viz Media, and it's going to be it's available in digital print and also physical. If you're going to get that and read it, it's probably a pretty good pick considering the award. The story follows Fuko Iz- Izumo, known as the woman cursed with unluck. Uh, she... Fuko brings misfortune to anyone who touches her, and the scale is proportional to how long they had physical contact. She's saved by Andy, a man who, quote, cannot die. He's undead. He hopes to figure out a way to use Fuko's misfortune to finally bring him death. So that's a very interesting sort of plot synopsis if you're a fan of that. It's good that it won the award. It probably will make it more popular and maybe get an anime adaptation here coming up. Next up is The Order of Rabbit. Anime Season 3 is getting... Uh, released on October 10th, if you're a fan of that, it's going to be coming out in Japan on October 10th around 9.30 p.m. On, a- on ATX channel. The first season of Is the Order of Rabbit premiered in April of 2014, and the second season came out just after that in October of 2015. So it has been a while since we had a season of Is the Order of Rabbit, but if you're a fan of that, you'll be able to catch it here coming up pretty soon. Hiroyuki Hashimoto is returning to direct the new season at Encourage Films. And uh, also the scriptwriter is back as well, and the character designer, and most of the original cast are coming back to reprise their roles. This was Mitsuki, and this was your anime news break. And now, as always, it's time to get back to the podcast. My friends are annoyed because they think I have forgotten their actual names. I just call them my senpais and kohais now. I threw a tennis ball at my cat. I was so caught up in the moment and thought, maybe I could capture her, and then we could go on adventures together. I purchased a motorcycle, just so I could pretend I was Onizuka. I answered the phone with Moshi Moshi. My poor cat. I may actually have a problem. It's time. It's time. It's time. Hello. I'm Mandy from the Anime Addicts Anonymous. Do any of these symptoms sound familiar to you? Do you have 8,572 waifus? Do you struggle with having the theme song for Attack on Titan stuck in your head, even though Jaeger is the only word you know? Then you may be experiencing anime addiction. If you are experiencing anime addiction, then you should visit our website, aaapodcast.com. At Anime Addicts Anonymous, we have dedicated ourselves to making your anime addiction worse. Worse? Yes, worse. Because the real world just plain sucks. 
So many resources await you. For just $5 a month, you will have unlimited access to our Hobby Addicts episodes. You will also have access to our Hentai episodes, where you can watch a Hentai along with us and hear our commentary. Give our After Party episodes a listen, where you can hear us struggle to talk about our boring lives outside of anime. That $5 will go to helping us spread anime addiction throughout the world. Yes, it is time for you to make your anime addiction worse. My name is Brett Weaver, voice of Toji Suzuhara. You know, from Evangelion. I'm a total anime addict. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. If you want to stay in Roger Smith's house, what rule has to be true about your attire? And he says, if you stay in my house, then you wear black. I realized I made a mistake the second I read that question because I'm wearing like a (laughs) yellow shirt with some gray sleeves and I look at my co-host. What's Mitsugi wearing? He's rocking the black. What's Mandy wearing? She's rocking the black. I'm the only one. It's not black. Mine's purple. Okay, fair enough. We're both not on. It's bright purple. I guess I'm the only one. It's like a a dark. I guess Mitsugi is the only one getting in. Also, we better we better have Steve Bloom as the uh, the drop out of the second news break. That's actually not true because also women get to enter drive Roger Smith's house. So it's only men not wearing black that definitely don't get in. So Mason, well, I wasn't gonna you're spoil, fucking out of here, brother. I wasn't going to spoil the answer. The second the question. question. <laughs> was that the second question? Yeah. You made uh, it. Know. <laughs> you know, I, so, it's a, so it's an easy question. You know, it'll be fine. No one pays attention to me anyway. Maybe we're, they'll forget exactly. between now and Maybe. then. We just got to stall for time. Anyway, how are we going to do that? I guess with my manga minute. Oh, is that really what my manga minute is? It's just wasting time. <laughs> it's a stall. It's, no, it's, it's predicting the future, Mandy. We all know this. <laughs> and now, let's take a minute for the manga minute with Mandy. This is Mandy's manga minute, where I take a minute, tell you about a manga, and help you find something new to read. And this one is called Satoko and Nada. Satoko, who is a who is Japanese, has a new roommate in America, a Saudi Arabian woman named Nada. They might have different customs, but through mutual respect and the hilarious adventures of their daily daily life, Satoko and Nada prove that friendship knows no borders. Also, if I'm mis- mispronouncing any names, please please let me know. <laughs> I, I I mess up pronunciation pronunciations all the time. But Satoko Nada is a four-coma comedy manga written and illustrated by Yupei Chika. She also had help with a script advisor named Marie Nishimori. It's a finished series with four volumes total. And we currently have three volumes available in English, but the fourth volume is available for pre-order. So each page of this manga is a separate event in the daily lives of Satoko and Nada. And... It's about um, 
you know, they Dada just came to the United States from Saudi Arabia to attend university with the hopes of becoming a doctor. And Satoko also came to the U.S. from Japan for university and is looking for a place to stay. And Nada was having difficulty finding a roommate, and so the quickly, quickly the two came together. And despite them having vastly different backgrounds, Satoko and Nada uh, learn about each other's cultures, their beliefs, and how to navigate America while always being open-minded. And they accept each other's differences and learn how they can work around them together. And they have a genuine desire to learn, and I absolutely love that about this manga. If there is an aspect of daily life that one of the other uh, girls does not understand, the other one is very happy to explain it with patience and a great sense of humor as well. Uh, the art is very simplistic. It's more like sketches. Here, I'll show it to you. It's very, very simple. And each page is, you know, like a typical four coma, its own little, um, like, event. And, um, but throughout this whole manga, you there's so much to learn. Um, it has fantastic friendships, uh, cute comedic moments, and a strong desire to learn about other cultures. So if you, if any of that sounds really appealing to you, then I do highly recommend it. It's um, it, it is mostly comedy, but there is a little bit of an educational side to it as well. It's kind of cool. I just downed a third of a tray. Pizza Hut, Cinestics, and I have no regrets. <laughs> I want you guys to know that. And I'm also going to post the image of the manga here for people to look at. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Cool. Oh, my God. I can tell you what. Pizza Hut, their, big, their dinner box, not bad. But I recommend it. But the uh, the Pizza Hut cheese sticks, they can't come close to the Domino's cheese sticks. Like They are not even in the same ballpark. They're not in the same universe. See, like, the, the Domino's cheese sticks, they're coming from, like, some far-off alien universe where, like, food just tastes better. And then the the regular Pizza Hut cheese sticks, they're from, like, they're on, like, Mars or something. Like, they're not, they're not, they're they're out of this world, but they're not, like, out of this galaxy. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm, I love it. Mm. Sounds like they wow. should change their name from Pizza Hut to the Cinestick Shack. <laughs> well, Pizza Hut's also not doing too well. They just closed a ton of their stores. So, anyway. <clears throat> well, we have a new segment here, Mason. Are you ready? Oh. Oh, am I? Get your popcorn ready. It's time for Unexplored Pictures with Mason. So often on this podcast and others... We bring up movies all the time like Ghibli, Satoshi Kon stuff, Hosada stuff, Shinkai films, and those are all good movies and they're all worth checking out. And I feel like that's what we direct a lot of new watchers to and it comes up a lot in conversations, but there's a whole world, a whole bunch of gems out there that I just don't hear getting talked about. And I I feel like that's kind of part of our job is to kind of help spread what you might call these hipster underground Mason-centric films uh, out for people to uh Give them a shot, and it's also going to give me a chance to talk about maybe new films, Cough Cough, Made in Abyss, Cough Cough, Inuo, Cough Cough, Angaku, just future new movies that come out. So the first one I want to talk about is called The Case of Hana and Alice. This is an hour and 38-minute movie that came out in 2015, and you can watch it over on Amazon Prime. 
Um, so this is written, directed, and composed by Shunji Iwai, who has done a ton of stuff outside the anime industry, and it's done by Studio Steve and Steven. Steve and, and Steven. Steve in Steve, oh, Steve and Steve. apostrophe Steven. Got it. Got it. And this is a story of very realistic isolation and a sense of unease felt by a new transfer student named Tetsuo, Tetsuko Arusagawa. And her return to the hobby of dance kind of provides her a safe haven, gives her a chance to make friends, and learn about the mysterious disappearance of a student that once occupied the now-empty desk in her new classroom. This uh, student is said to be the victim of perhaps a murder or perhaps a self-suicide, and the curiosity that compels Arusagawa to look at the supernatural legends that her classmates are telling her about leads to her finding an unlikely compatriot to investigate the truth behind the missing person. And this is a fantastic movie. It's one of those movies that is plot-wise has very little going on, but has this fantastic atmosphere and depth comes from all these small moments throughout that builds up the characters and the mood. And this is a very decidedly unanime film. It's kind of a prequel to a live-action film, and they have a lot of the same staff working on this, and this lends this film a sense of freshness, and it does not feel like almost anything else I've seen in the anime medium. The genre is constantly shifting, like it's like a color spectrum. Once one minute you think it's red, you think it's a drama, then it becomes yellow, like a mystery, then it's orange, like a slice of life, and it's such a cool film, and it's heavily rotoscoped, and while it might be rough to look at at first, it actually pays off really well with like highly detailed backgrounds and like the way ballet sequences are shown or like the way characters move through environments through like running is super cool so i would recommend this movie for people who like flowers of evil for the sense of like unease or like rotoscoped appearance or like liz in the blue blur blue blurred i can't even talk the blue blurred liz in the blue bird sonic for the relationship between two high school students um I wouldn't recommend this for, like, families to watch, but it's more for, like, people who want to discuss anime on, like, forums or stuff. It's a good, like, breeding ground for a bunch of, like, character studies. Take that, families. Get right. I just, I don't, there's no English dub option, which makes it a little bit more difficult to more easily lay back and watch it. But honestly, I think this is an absolute gem of a movie. I'd probably give it three... Three and a quarter thumbs up. So, you know, most of the way to a full thumbs up. And it's definitely interesting. And if you can handle a slow burn, it's definitely worth your time. And that's the case of Hannah and Alice. Constantly changing genres and art styles. This sounds like Gintama. It, it's wild. <laughs> it is Gintama. Pull it's, the mask. It's, it's Gintama. So, <laughs> now check it out. It's, uh... Sounds cool. It's worth your time. And with that, we can go to the main topic, which is uh, bring your own topic, where we've all assembled a collection of things to talk about, and we will see uh, what strikes our fancy and go from there. Someone want to lead us off? Yeah, so I was just, I'm just floored by this winter season that's coming up. Really, the fall season is pretty good, too, but the winter season is ridiculous. And I don't know if anybody realizes this. But here is just a small, <laughs> that's insane. Here's a small sample of what's coming in winter 2021. You're basically getting every show that was going to come out in summer. Uh, so it's like two seasons in one. You're getting <clears throat> Promised Neverland season two, Reincarnated as a Slime season two, Stone Wars season two, 
the quintessential quintuplets season two, ReZero, uh, the second season part two, the Cells at Work season two. It's like the season twos. B Stars season two, Yudu Camp season two, Log Horizon season three, Seven Deadly Sins season four, Cells at Work Black, No Non Biori season three. Uh, that new one where there's an isekai where the guy gets turned into a spider, like that one I feel like is going to be popular even though it's the first season. And that's like the whole freaking, like most of the list, like the whole season is just loaded. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what, like, what are we looking forward to the most? And I was trying to decide, so I thought we could talk about it. So this one is your most upcoming anime, and I included like from the next two seasons because the fall season is pretty strong as well. So, and if you want to, you can you can differentiate from those. And I think we should just go round robin here. So I'm going to say number five on my list is Cells at Work Black. I'm really excited for Cells at Work Black. Um, I do think that it won't be edgy enough for what I want because I think it's going to be like all these seedy sort of inappropriate topics, but they're not really going to go far enough with it. Like, I just think that when they start talking about drug use or sex or, you know, STDs or whatever it is, like I feel like they're gonna cover it, but they won't. I feel like it won't be black cells at work. Black, like it's gonna be. It'll be cells at work, but like the subjects are just gonna be like something they couldn't include in the other seasons. But that's my number five. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, here's the question. <laughs> I think know. it's in the synopsis. Do you think so? It's gonna be like darker and more mature, hence black. Do we think they're gonna show it as like a psychopath where it's like dark no. and mature in that way or no. like they're just nope. going to be yakuza people riding around and we're like the std gang rolling up on motorcycles i guess i think it's just the more embarrassing topics that they didn't show in like the first gotcha. one it's like first one was like the flu <laughs> this one's more like stds <laughs> i believe it we'll but see I know no, a lot I, of ours are going to probably be repeated because i think we're all looking forward to some of the same things so uh, my number five was Log Horizon season, season three, because like as far as Isekai go, I actually really liked Log Horizon. I thought it was pretty good. And um, yeah, I think it I think Bofuri, well, if you if you if you personally consider Bofuri an Isekai, I think that would <laughs> that was <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble again. Someone got very upset with me. <laughs> but if you personally consider it an Isekai. I think if um, I think Bofuri really nailed what it feels like to play video games in an MMO. Log Horizon, I think, nailed like what it would be like to be sucked into a video game. There was a lot of stuff in there about like um, guilds and raids and um, like NPCs that were really interesting. I feel like a lot of others kind of just gloss over. They kind of like the video game. A lot of isekais people get sucked into feel more like just a fantasy world if that makes sense like everybody's living uh like like a normal world not like a video game does that make am i making sense oh yeah <laughs> yeah okay good yeah no i thought i think log horizon is pretty cool and it has a, and man if it doesn't have the same op i'm not, not watching database. it anymore <laughs> you have to have database i'm not watching it without it if i got sucked into a game i just pee my pants immediately I, just, I don't yes. know if that's a function in a lot of games. I'm telling you, I would pee and poop my pants immediately because I would be so scared. Can you imagine? Here, here's a sword. You don't know how to use it, but go kill that dragon. No, I'm just going to pee all over myself. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Definitely. Mitz cast pee. Attack was ineffective. 
I'm actually, I didn't put it on my list, but I'm interested in Log Horizon Season 3, like Mandy said, because I watched Season 1 and I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. And then all I heard about Season 2 was like, oh, it was a little lackluster. It didn't have a great yeah, ending. I and I was like, well, why am I going to watch Season 2 if it doesn't have an ending? And it didn't seem that yeah. great. But if Season 3 can continue the line and make it good, then it gives me a reason to watch Return to the Series, which I thought had a lot of potential. So I'm hoping Season 3 delivers and makes the case to continue watching it. Here's to the debauchery tea party. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> my number five pick I know almost nothing about. It's called Kamisama ni Natahi, or The Day I Became a God, which comes out in fall. And this is a new original work by PA Works. Um, it's done by a lot of the same team who did like Clonad and Angel Beats. So I'm expecting a lot of melodrama. But I tend to like the look of PA work shows, and I tend to value original pieces of animation. I think those have more of a chance to be really bad and more of a chance to be really good. So I, I'm flipping a coin right off the bat and saying that that's my, my number five hype for the fall season. My number four is Promise Neverland season two. I Honestly, I was pretty... <clears throat> meh on season one uh, promise neverland just has for a show that was a lot of uh like gamesmanship and tactical thinking and strategy those are just a little bit too much just outlandish uh logic leaps and suspension of disbelief to make all of that happen but i'm still excited to see what happens next in the story i want to see i'd love to see some little kids get eaten by monsters that would be good because that's what that story is kind of setting itself up for um, so assuming that might happen, we'll see, but you know, when little kids run around in the, in the forest full of monsters, they, some of them should be eaten. Um, and, uh, just kind of curious to see where the story goes next because they've kind of painted themselves into a hopeless situation and I want to know, I want to know what's going to happen. Although I have a feeling that it won't happen in season two. It might be like season three or four. Mandy? Mine was also promised Neverland season two. I don't know. I have heard great things from people that I trust who love the manga, mm -hmm. so I'm excited to continue it. And I really do want to continue the manga, because honestly, I thought my experience with Promise Neverland was better when I read the manga. Like, they both have different, like, both of them were different experience to me. Um, there are some things in the anime that I thought they did really well, and there are some things that they handled in the manga that I thought was far better, especially concerning the uh, monsters and some of the characters as well. So, um, but I still do want to continue the anime because some of the cinematography in there is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I've only got one word to say about Promise Neverland Season 2. Uh-oh. Phil, Phil, Phil. Yeah. He's only Phil, he, Phil, 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 Phil. He's the only one I care about. He's my boy. And uh, Same. <laughs> excited for that. My number four. If Phil dies. We, we, game we over. burn it all down. We riot. <laughs> uh, my number four is from the winter season and it's Yuru Camp season two. Uh, this is the late The back, real season two. The real season two, not the fake out three minute episodes, which actually tied together mm -hmm. to make one pretty good long episode. But Yuru Camp is a show I started and I think I dropped it after the first or second episode. I just really did not like the main character. I think she was a little too zany, a little too out there. And I was just like, I'm, I'm not going to feel it. And I was inspired to pick it back up and I've enjoyed it most of the way since. I'm not 
huge into camping, but it's comfy and it's a fun time. And I like the interplay and the animation's pretty fantastic. So in the opposite way that I'm excited for the day I became a god because I know nothing about it, I know exactly what I'm getting with this one and I'm probably not going to be disappointed. All right, for me, number three going on the list here is the, not that surprising, someone had to include it, was Sport Climbing Girls. I want this to be really good. <clears throat> My expectations are pretty low, to be honest, for, for the show. I just don't think Japan will be able to resist the school and etchy tropes. Uh, I think you can pretty much book it. I think it's going to be a lot of, ah, I'm in the school and I'm in this club and we need members and la, la, la. And, and then, like, shots of the girls, like, from from underneath where they're in, like, tight clothing and they're going to have, like, their asses all, you know, sticking out of their fucking Lululemon pants and shit like that. <laughs> That's kind of what I expect from sport climbing girls. But, God, I really want it to be... I, I want it to be a more serious sports show. That would be that would be the ideal thing. Like I'd like to see them actually portray the sport that not many people know anything about. But it probably won't happen. But uh, I, but one can hope. So we'll see. If it's like the first two episodes of Hanabato, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like that quality of animation, that quality of writing, just for the whole thing. I'm keeping my hopes up. Uh, mine is Haikyuu to the top part two. It's not really much to say about it. It's Haikyuu. <laughs> and uh, part one ended on somewhat of a cliffhanger. And uh, But part one had so much character development. Some of the characters got so much, got so much attention that they desperately needed. And uh, I'm excited for part two. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll keep this. Everyone loves Haikyuu. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I'll keep the sports theme going. And uh, actually, I lied. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out. I'm hoping it's winter. But this is your monthly reminder that the uh, Uzumaki series is going to come out eventually. And uh, my hype for it is so uncontained that it bleeds over no matter when it comes out. So Uzumaki, this is a production IG one that I think is Adult Swim. I forget which company has helped putting it together, but... Um, excited I think for it's adult it. Swim. So, if it comes out in winter, I'm a psychic, and that's my vote for number three. That would have been my number one, but it, I we don't know when it's, it's not coming on out. any <laughs> list exactly. <laughs> number two for me is B Stars. I thought season one was all around really great. It was it excelled in pretty much every every area, and it seemed like the story was really starting to heat up there at the end of the at the end of the first season. And considering I know nothing about the manga. At all, I'm pretty interested to see where that story goes. I know that Louis or whatever the, the deer guy, like I know he's, I know he didn't just poof out of the story. Like I know there's something more in store for him, and he's gonna come back, and stuff's gonna happen, and I, I'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with that. And I think, um, I think it should be, if it's anything near as good as the first season, it's gonna be a treat to watch. So B Star season two for me, it's my second most excited show. Chats arguing about Haikyuu. <laughs> it is cracking me up. Um, mine, mine is also Be Star Season 2 because I've heard some crazy shit happens. I haven't read that far in the manga. All I know is I, I hear talks about deer gangs. So <laughs> I'm excited. I love Season 1 so much, and the manga is also great. So I'm excited. Yeah, Be Star's second season was actually my number one pick that comes out in winter. And 
honestly, like knowing a bit where the manga goes from here, um, this has potential to eventually be like a 10 out of 10 series for me. Just like yeah, Phil sure. with Promise Neverland, uh, Legoshi is I connect with so strongly. Best boy. Oh my goodness. I love so many of the characters here. I love the art style. I love the look. I love Studio Orange and they have to redeem themselves for not giving me Land of the Lustrous season two. So uh, mm-hmm. this is definitely my number one pick um i'll talk about my number two later but i don't know this it, it can't not be amazing so b star second season you Ooh. heard it it can't not be amazing it can't not be amazing <laughs> all right well, no, well number one for me is not going to be one that anybody expected there are shows on these two upcoming month lists that are pretty high profile that we didn't even mention I don't even know if this is one of those, but for me, it's Dragon Quest Die No Daiboken. There's a Dragon Quest anime coming out for the first time since 1991. Dragon Quest is awesome. It's a big fucking deal in Japan, considering it's like been the top-selling RPG franchise in Japan since like the dawn of time, and it's been a long time since they since they did one. The recent Dragon Quest movie was pretty good. And I enjoyed that a lot, and it's just exciting to see a new uh, season of like a full season, like series coming out. And I watched the trailer, and it was like a whopping twelve seconds, but it still got me hyped. So I will probably be the only person that watches this in the world, but I'm hyped for the new Dragon Quest anime. My number one, because it's in a different season from Beastars, otherwise they would have had to fight, uh, is uh, to, your, to Your Eternity, the Fumetsu no Anata. And I love this manga. It is crazy and insane. It's just, it's a wild, emotional ride. And I know I did a manga minute on it. We did a manga club on it. It was one of the first manga clubs. And um, it was before our group grew so large. And I think a lot of the people who are in that club are no longer in our club so <laughs> it'd be kind of cool to do it again but um yeah it's it's a really wild fascinating ride and um it always feels like you never know what's going to happen except bad things <laughs> if you don't handle tragedy well you probably don't want to read or watch this because it's it's truly crazy but um it's also by the same author of A Silent Voice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested and in, I'm just so excited to see it because the visuals that I've also seen of it look pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, what that Ma- is to your eternity. Sorry. What Mandy said, that was my number two pick. And yeah, I've read a little bit of it, not as much as Mandy and absolutely sold on it and hyped for it. Um, chat really quick reminded me uh, there is a new... Fr- out of the blue. I don't know. Who cares? There's a new two-episode ONA of My Hero Academia that dropped seemingly out of nowhere pretty recently. So uh, if you're a big MHA boy and want to check it out, I think it's on all like the Crunchyroll, Funimation, all those things. So if you want more of that, uh, that's out there. But anyway, sorry. I need Side a tangent man, over. I need to catch up on My Hero because... I don't know. I don't know what my problem is. Why it's so hard for me to get into you really, it. I've you, tried. Really, you really don't need to, but. <laughs> I want to, though. Everyone's so excited and I feel left out. <laughs> I mean, give it a chance. I, be a, I would have fun, too. But I, I wouldn't point to a single moment where you're like, oh, it gets good here or really changes tone. Like, it's pretty much what it is. And if you jive with it off the bat, you'll keep on riding that high. And if it's just kind of falling flat, it's not going to change the game. But there you yeah. go. Yeah. 
I, I should also note that for me, my number one was definitely is definitely Doctor Stone. I just didn't put it on there because it's like obvious. Like, of course, duh. Like, I don't want to be that predictable. Uh, I also added a spicy take, a spicy take special award, one upcoming popular show that you just don't care about. And for me, it's ReZero season two, part two or whatever. Like, Who passed it? Well, I mean, it's, it was almost like I had to pass it. <laughs> I'm not at fault. It's not my fault. I think someone's avoiding the question. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who it would be. <laughs> I mean, who said I'm so excited for this show? Well, I was the excited. People but people are like, excited. I was excited, but the first like the first twenty five percent of the of season two part one was just fell flat as hell. I mean, ReZero season ReZero was always a really great show, and the first three episodes of the second season were just snoozers for me. I was like, okay, this is not interesting. And honestly, the time gap between seasons, like I didn't know how it would affect me when I started watching it again. But like, I just don't give a damn anymore. Like, I'm sorry, you made me wait six years or something. Like, I just don't care. Like. Six years is a fucking. I long need to time. go back and listen to that impression. I'm curious now. I said, I, <laughs> I said feel it, like something's not adding up. I said in the impression <laughs> that if this had been a, a season with a lot of good anime, that this one probably wouldn't have passed. But I passed it because I mm. basically had to because it's re-zero. So uh, it's definitely top eight for the season. But like in a reg- in a season that's like nor let's has its, the normal amount of good shows. I just don't know if re-zero would have been. Um up to snuff so i just don't care i I don't know that i will cover re-zero season two part two probably won't you you pass the show you have to take responsibility for everything i've prepared for that risk passing rent a girlfriend i I know what's coming upon me with that i mean i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch re-zero season two part one because i passed it but this is a this is the different season as far as i'm concerned like people want to say part one and part two are different or the same season and bullshit they're not they're different things um so i don't know Everybody else probably loving it. I, b- I bet it has the highest score of the summer on Mal. I'll just check. I bet it does. I'm. That's not a really difficult thing to achieve. <laughs> oh, it doesn't have the highest score on Mal. It has the second highest. Great Pretender. It has the does second it have highest. Great Pretender is no. Where the hell is Great Pretender? It's oh, it's, it's going to be Pre- down in. Oh, the it's way down with like the O and A OVA section. Uh, Great Pretender. Where the fuck is it? I don't, uh, if you guys can find it, that would, of the TV series, the Yahadi, the Seishun Love or, Comedy. Or Gairu. Odegaidu has the best score. By 0.01 of a point. By 0.01. So ReZero's got an 8.5. Like, people are like, oh my god, ReZero! And I'm just like, okay. Like, wanted it to be with that, but I'm just not hyped. Anyway. Uh, mine was Don Machi Season 3, because I just never cared about the series. <laughs> there you go. Um, mine was probably the slime isekai. I thought it was pretty good, but I don't think I really need to see more of it to get the point. So I don't know. Well, let's move on. I'm sorry that took so long. Mandy. No, it was fun. Mandy, what did you want to bring to the, to the forefront? Uh, can I go last? Cause, um, mine's more of a discussion. So I don't know. I I kind of threw it in there in case we need more time, <laughs> but it was kind of hard for me to come up with something. But I do have a topic that is currently being discussed in the uh, anime community. So I thought it might be cool just to well, let's do that, have then. a little discussion. Yeah, let's okay, do that. Well, we're not. I think we're kind of running not like super I, long on time anyway. I, so well, I say we I, have this discussion and we can move along. I don't expect the big okay. overview to be like a half an hour or anything. So I mean. 
but with mailbags oh. and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah, what's what's, what's the discussion topic? Um, well, th- currently there's a lot of discussion going on. I I don't know if we have mentioned it recently, but there, I think it came out of um, an article on Netflix and about um, anime industries right now. Uh, they're gaining so much more uh, money from from overseas, uh, you know, streaming things overseas, especially Netflix, things that are ending up on Netflix, they're gaining a lot more funding from those. And but the money, the extra money that they are bringing in is not trickling down to the animators themselves. There are a lot of animators have come out and said our wages are still extremely low. We don't see any of that additional extra money. And so that has started a debate concerning um, when it came up with Kiss Anime closing that just got that just started the conversation about um piracy and uh what like what can be done to fix this and i know we personally cannot fix any of this but it's going to have to come from inside the industry itself but just what are our overall thoughts on how things are being handled in um terms of our like overseas um, viewers throwing so much more money into the anime industry, but none of that going down to the actual animators themselves. Yeah. So I think we brought up that article a couple episodes back about yeah. how the Netflix funding is. Oh, was going. I not here for it? I don't remember. I may, maybe I was. I think you were there and I think we had a brief discussion on it, but we really didn't get to the discussion of like what, like, like you mentioned, I think a lot of the major change has to come within the industry, whether they get unions or mm-hmm. assemble in some way to kind of fight for a pay that they think is more suitable to live their way, ways. And we talked about, you know, the training projects or some ways that people have tried to put together establishments or funding opportunities. But I don't think we got into, like, what small part can we play in the Western audience to either provide support financially just in acknowledgement like what can we do and i feel like the top of my head it strikes me in a very similar way as what we talked about earlier in this episode with the you know kind of putting the content warnings on the shonen jump you know manga stuff like how much can we in the west really impact that honestly not a ton but i think nonetheless the conversation and attempt is kind of what matters to show companies that hey we like when the people who makes the things that we like, you know, get paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of the conversation came up because there there are two certain arguments. Of course, I'm going off of an, anime Twitter. So. <laughs> but there are definitely two different arguments in the anime community. One entirely for just... Uh, Piracy and one entirely for just stream things legally at all times. I'm definitely a person, and I was hesitant to talk about the Kiss Anime subject as just a podcast in general because I was like, you know, if we want to get more sponsors, it might be kind of awkward. But honestly, right now, I don't really care. So. <laughs> I mean, it's part of a good discussion. I think ignoring yeah. the whole piracy mm-hmm. side is, I know, just kind of ignorant. But go, go on. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was going to say that, like, I'm definitely a person who's in the middle because, um, of course, and you know, it's really, piracy is a really difficult subject because, um, obviously I know that a lot of, there are a lot of people out there who, uh, cannot afford streaming. And there are, of course, countries that don't have as much access to anime that we do. 
and um you know and i feel like they definitely you know don't need to be judged for if they choose to take whatever means they need to in order to watch a show that's totally cool with me i don't really mind especially when we there's so many old shows too that have are not available anywhere and i i mean we talk about them a lot and kind of just ignore the ignore the whole conversation yeah. of, hey where'd you find this? we I, I found it and we're I we are so blessed to speak english <laughs> where almost everything is getting that translation but there are yeah. countries mm-hmm. who speak languages where Crunchyroll is not going to have the subs for you to make it that easy for you to consume the product and if the only option you have is like a fan sub on some yep. piracy site like if that's going to be the way you need to do to watch it like it is what it is and especially when people see articles where you say well i pay for this service and that money doesn't go to the people making the thing why even bother paying for the service like is this you know yeah. like that was my one argument for getting me onto this service and if that's not the case you know how does that stack up and like mandy said i think being in the middle is tough because there's moral element or yeah moral discussions to be had there and what you feel comfortable with and how much you want to give back to what has given you so much entertainment for sure like um i buy i pay for everything legally is people have seen my manga collection <laughs> no because that's you know i'm personally able to do so so are you um, sure you don't send is... your ferrets like undercover into barnes and noble with like little spy like Look, where they tie it under their nose they're known for stealing <laughs> <laughs> just set them loose and they walk out with like eight com- <laughs> <coffee>. manga capers <laughs> Yes, yes, that's exactly what I do. It's called dirty business. <laughs> but um yeah, so I mean, so personally I do, obviously. And because yeah, it's such a difficult subject because you do want the creators to get the money that they deserve. It's just weird that you know there's nothing we can do to make sure that they are getting that money that they deserve. It's a really, I don't know, just, it reminds me so much of the video game industry too, where people are working so much overtime and crunch time and are not seeing any additional funds for that. It's really difficult. And there's not much that we personally can do except spread the word on it. But no, I think it's, yeah, it's weird. And it's like a very complicated discussion financially because, and I'm talking out of my ass for part of this, but <clears throat> some of this is just like basic business shit. But um, really the problem are the production committees. And people, we we mentioned it, I think, and some people on the Twitch were talking about like animators unionizing. You got to be really careful with that. Um, and I don't want to be like, oh, anti-animator or whatever, but because, because you got to hear me out. So when we talked about the Studio Arms studio that went bankrupt like a month ago or something, and in that article, it talks about how like 40% of the anime studios are already operating uh, in the red. Like they're already not making profit. <clears throat> so if you have animators unionize and you don't fix the, the underlying problems with the structure of the anime industry, all you're going to do is drive all the studios completely out of business. Um, and that includes like the ones that aren't, that aren't uh, running in the red. So if you have studios that are like operating on paper thin margins and everybody unionizes and all the animator salaries double, just kiss anime goodbye they're just going to move it'll, it'll move to the philippines and china and, and even more so than it is now like you just like goodbye like you know forget it like you know these studios they're not they're barely making money now and apparently they're still barely making money even though netflix is pumping tons of cash over but it's not because 
I don't believe it's because anime, anime industry isn't profitable. I believe it's because the way that the money's moving around and the, the structure of the industry is just not... It's like it's almost like it's corrupt. Like the, the the production committees are sucking up so much of the money that need to be going to the studios. Then you can pay the animators more money. Then the Netflix money makes it to the animators. But you can't have people unionize and double their salaries before the studios get any money. Like they can't just pay money they don't have, right? So it's really like a systemic problem with anime in terms of like the animators being underpaid. Um, and yeah, it does help when people buy things legally, but if you buy things legally and all the money goes to the production committee anyway, like you don't help anything. So really it's just, it's almost like there's like a wall, like, like a firewall and it's just burning all the money that like, Oh, we can't get any money through the wall because the fucking production committees keep taking it all. Boom. It just burns up. Doesn't get to, doesn't go to the studio and then boom, studio arms is bankrupt. So it just, I don't even know how to fix that problem. I, I, I of course I don't like, I don't know how to, how you could, uh, break that system but it needs to be broken and then you can have and then you can pay people more but the other problem is that and this is like i don't want this to sound bad but if people are willing to work for nothing they will be paid nothing like that's how that's how the, this how this works like if you have like if i want to go teach, teach teach english in japan even if i think i'm worth like 100k a year if there's 2 billion of me like i'm not worth 100 i'm not worth 100,000 a year like the supply pool of labor is just too high. So as long as animators are um, in abundance and are willing to work unlimited overtime, they're gonna um, they're not gonna be paid the way that we we feel like they should be paid. And then of course they go back to the to the question of well then they need to unionize so that that gets fixed. But then I go back to the production committee. It all is the fucking production committee. <laughs> you have to mm-hmm. break that shit. You have to break it. And then and then you could have money that trains people better. Then they get better benefits. Then um, a- animation quality goes back up because it's like, oh my god, the studios—they can hire better people. They can train them better. They can hire more people. Suddenly, anime starts to look like really good again. Um, but I mean, but if the production committee is going to take all the profitability, like you can't exactly expect the studios to do much of anything. I'm sure they're all. I'm sure there's some guy in like an office somewhere. Like oh yeah mm, yeah mm. he's like he's like nodding in agreement he's like working he works at like studio X Y Z and he's like I agree there's <laughs> like the one oh, guy so death oh, so death oh, so 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 yeah and but like <laughs> I mean um I don't know I just I, I someone should do like some research on this like I, I want to know more about it like it just, there are definitely a lot more I think people are talking about it a lot more and so mm-hmm. now there are more articles coming out for sure like just in the past couple of weeks I've seen so many articles come out on it I did see one too where some of the like the little like the smaller studios have really poor um, money management as well they're putting money in completely the wrong places as sure. well so um, yeah I don't know but um yeah, chat mentioned Kyoani. I don't know. Kyoani, as far as I know, has a completely like different model than everybody else. I don't know. Whatever they're doing, they get they have their shit together. Yeah, I would say speaking of studios that I would most point to as like a sign of success um, mm-hmm. is honestly, as much as people might disparage some of their works, but Studio Trigger has really taken to online Kickstarters and Patreon and saying like, look, if you want us to make stuff... The best way to help us is to give us money directly. $1 a month, $5 a month on I the Patreon. That, yeah. Or like all Little Witch Academia. Like 
I think they wanted to make a second episode after the first like OVA came out and they were like, hey, we need about $150,000. And within like six hours, I think they had like half a million or over that. Like mm-hmm. they just crushed it. And it shows that people want to support the yeah. people. They don't want to throw it at the big ship of nothingness that it's going to waste or all these little corporations that don't have a clear idea and they're just throwing harpoons into the water trying to find the next big anime and just like hoping one of them sticks and can give them financial success and i feel like the just sheer number of shows that are coming out can kind of lead to like that fatigue of the industry being stretched too thin and just treating the art as more disposable than what it should be i just don't agree with i don't agree with i don't know that there's I feel like I sound terrible to say this. I don't know why exactly, but I don't agree with Kickstarter ever. I think Kickstarter is a terrible system, and I don't think it should exist. I think that if if a company wants to make an investment and start a business, go to a bank like everybody else. There's the first thing. The second thing is if you're if you're in an existing industry and you can't make profit with your current models and the infrastructure you have set up, then it's a bad system. Like you shouldn't have to go to people to to more or less beg for money to make your to make your company work. Like it's it's it doesn't make any sense. I've kickstarted a lot of things. In I my have life. I have too. I bought some workout stuff from Kickstarter, etc. So like I mean I in full disclosure. But if like if an anime studio can't make money with, with anime's bigger than ever. It's bigger than it has ever been. There's people in little kids all over the fucking United States. Or like watching My Hero Academia. Like when I was a kid, I would have been like stomped into the curb for like watching Dragon Ball. But like now it's like the whole fucking world watches anime. So you got more people watching it than ever. And if you still can't make money without asking for money up front from people, then you're running your business like shit. And maybe, it, I've said this before, like maybe it shouldn't run. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, am I wrong for saying that? Like, I just don't think the companies no. should, re- should should rely on handouts from their consumers to, to stay afloat. Like, something's wrong with the system. It's broken. I, I don't disagree. I think that a Kickstarter model for every anime studio across the board is not going to be sustainable. And, like, that's not a long-term thing. They've only used it on a couple projects. But I think I was referencing it more as a way that show that there's an interest in the community for supporting these type of creators. And that if there is an alternative way to support them yeah, like not it, for constant kickstarters but there is a drive out there for people can, to support what they love can i just jump in here real quick someone in the, someone on our twitch who's very active and i appreciate their comments says kickstarter is not as, as a kickstarter you are not a consumer but an investor and that is incorrect as an investor i give you ten dollars and three years from that from three years later you give me twenty dollars kickstarter is more like I give you $20, so I buy a T-shirt up front, and later I get the T-shirt in the mail. Hopefully. But that's a consumer. <laughs> You're buying an item from the company on the, on, the, on the assumption that they will follow through with their end of the deal. If I'm investing, you owe me a return financially. So let's not pretend like Kickstarter is investing, because it's not. It just isn't. I've never, given them, I've never sent Kickstarter 50 bucks and had them send me back 60 bucks next year. Like That doesn't happen. That's, that, that's called the stock market like that is not how that's not how kickstarter works i'm getting all worked up but kickstarter just drives me crazy like it makes me go crazy anyway anyways what i was trying to say is that um like 
if money is not going getting passed down to the animators, Kickstarter is a great way to show support for the people. That money is going straight to them and not getting lost in the system. Is what I think Mason was trying to say. Yeah, hopefully. So Maybe we should start kickstarting the people who support those uh, anime short Shark Tank episodes. I'll, I'll chip in fifty dollars. See what you can do with that. I mean, we have paid subscribers as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> Enjoy your hentai episodes, my friends. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we do appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um. No, I think I think it's I think. And for many years, this is going to remain a conversation, and I think it's still a conversation worth having. And I hope we see developments in the industry who try new things and get rewarded for it. So, I don't know. I'd love to see someone do like a forensic analysis on the anime industry. Like, when you bring in more money than you've ever had, and people still aren't seeing any money in terms of like their salaries. And, and studios are still running in the red, something is wrong with the system. You have to go in there and figure out what the hell is wrong. And I haven't seen anybody do it. I have these vague articles. It's like, this person's like, they remark, oh, production committees, they're investing their money in the wrong places. They're, uh, they're investing their money in capital investments. Well, like, that's great, but capital investments are supposed to benefit the business later. Like, you're investing in the business. <laughs> if you're still in the red... You're putting your money in the wrong spots. Like you're not investing it right. So I just I would love to have someone go in there and like answer some questions. Like the articles we get are a little too failed. It's, like, it's like you have a, a it's like you have a piece of land and there's like something really special and interesting under the land, but you're like scraping at it with like a with like a fork. And like I can't like I know it's down there. I know there's something to be found, but like they're hitting it with like a fork. Like get a shovel and a, or a backhoe and get the fuck down in there and figure out what's wrong with it. Because like we've been talking about this for a, like a decade, and animators keep getting abused, but we don't know what we don't know why. Someone's getting the money. <laughs> it's going somewhere. Yeah. Someone's someone's making it. I don't know. It's mysterious. Oh, sorry. I get really like fire. I think I had too much caffeine. <laughs> it was Sorry. the uh, Mega Man energy drink oh, and the, the and the Cinestics. They get I you going. Hot. I feel hot. They get the people burning. Yeah, but anyway. um, I think I think that was enough topics. We can probably move on to our news break. Oh, I liked yours, no Mason. It was. Fun. We'll save it for another time. No way, Mason. You're such a no such a giver. It's okay. It's okay. I uh, selflessly sacrifice my bad ideas to the podcast gods for more future content. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All righty. So with that, we can go to our break and our trivia question for you, which we will answer after the break is, what is Roger Smith's rule about letting people into his mansion? We already spoiled it for you. You should know the answers. So uh, I don't know. You don't get anything out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get anything out of it. But uh, we'll be talking about Big O when we come back, so don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, Mitsugi is here, and I'm bringing you your anime news yet again. 
starting off with Orphan. I don't know why Orphan's getting a second season. We uh, did not like the first season. People are not listening. But Orphan is getting a second season. They have a trailer out that you can watch, which reveals the January 2021 uh, premiere date. So if you're a fan of Orphan, it's coming out. And it uh, looks like you can watch the video on YouTube and a variety of other places. That is for the Majutsushi Orphan. Hage Hagure Tabi Kim Luck Hen. The Sorcerer Stabber Orphan ba- Battle of Kim Luck. Definitely goes beyond the point, point in this orphan story that I am familiar with. However, unless it's said to be quite better than what we got for that first season, I do not think I will be watching. Next up, Anime NYC 2020 canceled due to COVID-19. So I don't think anybody is particularly shocked considering seemingly everything in New York City is canceled. But uh, the next convention is going to be scheduled for November 19th through the 21st of 2021. Noted that, quote, Anime NYC looks to present alternative and online programming and events before November 2021. I don't know if that it means that they're going to be doing even the next year's convention online or if they're going to just going to have things to quench your appetite in the meantime. But it looks like they are taking extreme precautions to create, quote, an exciting, inviting, safe, and healthy way to celebrate New York's anime community. So look for look out for more details about that coming up. Next up, the Megalobox manga creator Chikata Sakuma is launching a new manga in September. It's going to be called Link Man, and it's going to be focusing on soccer. Very different than Megalobox, even though still in the sports sort of arena. The first chapter will have 63 pages, including a color opening page. If you were a fan of Megalobox, and if you're a fan of Chikata Sakuma, you'll be able to enjoy Link Man, an upcoming soccer manga coming out this September. So look forward to that. And finally in the news, June... Kirara Zaka's Bone Collection manga is ending in Shonen Jump. Shonen Jump is being in the news a lot. The 38th issue of Shonen Jump is going to be wrapping up the final chapter of this Bone Collection manga. The story in a world swarming with yokai demons. One day, mediocre exorcist Kaz- Kazami enter- encounters a beautiful girl named Paida. Who, but who is she? And could she seemingly be? And could the seemingly useless Kazami actually have a special ability? Get ready for a new generation of yokai battle comedy manga. Uh, the synopsis coming from Viz Media. So if you're a fan of that, look out for the final chapter coming up in the 38th issue of Shonen Jump. And maybe it'll get made into an anime now that it's completed. This is Mitsugi and this was your anime news break. And now, time to get back to the podcast. Hey, addicts, I guess you have probably heard by now, but we have decided that at the end of August, we will be ending our promotional arrangement with JList.com. So what does this mean exactly? Well, we do still recommend you visit JList for all your anime shopping needs, but we will no longer be receiving financial support from JList to run the podcast the way that we have in past years. But don't panic yet. We're putting out a rallying cry to all the anime addicts across the globe to help support the podcast. We need you guys more than ever, and you can visit patreon.com or our website, aapodcast.com slash join to offer support. Anything is appreciated, and you'll get some pretty sweet content as a reward. Don't forget those hobby addicts and hentai episodes. So again, help us help make your anime addiction worse over at Patreon or aapodcast.com slash join. We really appreciate your help. Like Epo, we're never down and out. It's time for one more gazelle punch. Together, let's make that anime addiction worse for years and years to come.
this one away earlier <laughs> spoiled my own question what is Roger Smith's rule about letting people into his mansion it says generally they can't enter without permission but he quote has a special rule that only lovely young women can unconditionally enter the mansion that's his rule I don't know if Batman ever had a rule like that but uh, I think his rule is no one ever <laughs> yeah probably Okay, guys. Well, and uh, now you can also go to iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, submit a five-star review on those platforms, and we will be happy to read them on the podcast, just like we're going to do right now. It's time for iTunes review. This one comes from Maddie40Hands, my favorite anime podcast. Oh, so touched. Coming down from all that caffeine. Woo. It's been, I've been listening to this podcast for over a year now, and I still look forward to it every week. There are tons of episodes, so don't worry. You won't run out of content anytime soon. I'm ashamed that I didn't write a review sooner. The hosts are all very fun and interesting to listen to, and their podcast is actually organized with segments like a proper show should be, IMO. They also have fantastic paid extra content that I could definitely recommend if you enjoy their chemistry together. Their hentai episodes are my personal favorite. Funny stuff. Much love to the AAA. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maddie 40 Hands. That was yeah, so well thank written. You. Thank you. Yeah, you broke it down into paragraphs and everything. I All appreciate right. it immensely. All right. Now, mailbag time. Where's that mailbag drop? It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. So if you'd like to leave us a mailbag question, go to aaapodcast.com. There's a mailbag button there, and you can ask us any question that you would like. This one is from Otaku Cop. And they say, greetings, AAA fam. I was re-watching some of my favorite episodes from anime, and I've realized that a lot of my favorite moments have to do with what I call epic saves. Just when it seems like someone is done for, another character swoops in to save the day. Um, they also leave uh, some examples. I don't know if I should Pro- say that. Probably they not. might be spoilers. I, you can probably say the episode number from the episode. Uh, Episode 19 of Demon Slayer and episode 85 of Black Clover are examples. But um, their question is very simple. What are some of your memorable anime epic saves? Mason just covered this po- this uh, anime on the podcast, uh, Future Boy Conan. I love the scene where Lana saves Conan. I won't give uh, any like context beyond that for spoilers, but it was such a great scene. I loved it, and she was so brave to... Uh, to help Conan when he needed it, because I mean, Conan's always helping everybody else. He's like the most generous, caring character you ever see, and would easily give his life for a lot of different people. And so he gets helped out, and it's nice. 
Also, every love- episode of Future Boy Conan is an epic save. So every, if much. you love if you love those kind of stuff, watch that show. It's such an action anime. Uh, I also love the scene in Castle in the Sky where Shita and Pazu are are running away from the pirates. It's like right at the beginning of the movie, and the miners come in and they're all like busting their shirts off. Like that's an epic save. This is, <laughs> that shit cracks. Is that, is shit that when they fight in the sh- in the streets? Yeah, they're like having a competition about who can like bust their buttons off their shirt better. Yeah, <laughs> this shit cracks me up so much. Oh my god, I love it. Both a miner from Hunter Hunter, no surprise there. <laughs> No. I, one of them I've talked about a lot, of course. My fa- the best epic save, which makes you just go, "Oh shit!" was when he so good through that volley for the dodgeball pack. <laughs> that was cool. Oh, he's okay. He's that's a he, he's, he's, got, he's literally a, a character. He's got some manly ass moments and a manly buttocks. <laughs> he was like, "No, we want an absolute win. <laughs> Take that back." Uh, the other one was when Knuckle is about to be destroyed by UP and Killua just shows up and is like, nah, I'm gonna shock him. <laughs> Saved uh, Knuckle's ass. That was cool. Yeah, I tend to not like those quote-unquote epic save scenes. They usually take the form of like a deus ex machina or like something just like the writer put himself into a corner and they're like, oh, I just need to bail myself out. Some random character, eagle swoop in kind of thing like i don't tend to like that but the only exception is like in team sports where you expect that kind of cooperation and i think across the board high q has some of the best like right as the the ties are about to turn or the ball's about to land someone like dives in and makes an excellent play and you're just like oh so hype about it and the way that the scene can continue and they still have to keep on fighting those are always uh, the best moments the the next mailbag comes from Grealish? Ooh. I'm going to go with that, yeah. And they say, hey team, this is a little question slash criticism that I have for you all. I notice that on the podcast sometimes you guys seem to rush through sequences. You often say you've been speaking too long. Or you, or you say, let's not stay on this for too much longer. And it's a shame that you, don't want, that you limit yourself <laughs> too much. As listeners will most likely not mind longer topics. I understand that you work like clockwork and a well-timed and a well-timed mechanical clock, but don't be afraid to become like a sundial every now and then. Do you just have a general length that you want the podcast to be? Peace out and with much love. That's a great analogy. Wow, I love it. It I is. Love it. Mm, mm, I love a good analogy. Uh, first of all, thanks for the feedback. And, um, man, we do have a packed outline. Like, or usually it's very packed. We are on page uh, 20, 12 right now <laughs> of this outline. And... Um, Every time I did a, every time I've done a poll in the past and asked people like, "How long do you want the podcast to be?" Everyone always says, "Oh, make it longer." Like, honest to God, people would this podcast would be five hours long if people could have it that way. That's just a fact. Um, it's usually overwhelmingly people are like, "Make it longer than two and a half hours," and I'm just like, "Wow!" Like, it's flattering that you want to hear us talk for that long. Um, ideally, I think that I'd lo- I personally would like the podcast to be probably 90 minutes like i think that's a great length uh two hours shoot we're 20 minutes overdue already (laughs) we we try for two hours but it never happens we just we 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 try to put as much content in as we can and um it's uh you know sometimes it's sometimes it's a a shame to say we gotta wrap it up when it's a good 
conversation topic. Um, but sometimes if you don't wrap it up, the podcast ends up being four hours long. <laughs> so, so, um, but, uh, we do sometimes continue conversations in our after parties and stuff. So we, if it's really good, sometimes it finds its way over there, but, um, I don't know. It's just flattering. People want to listen for that long. Do you guys have anything to add? Uh, leave the people wanting more than, I think it's easy to start bloating and repeating ideas and just kind of dragging stuff on for too long. And can you imagine being a co-host and having to deal with me for like <laughs> four hours and at a time after we do hobby addicts, the main episode, and then like after parties, like I'm already sick enough of myself as it is. So I, I feel for my co-hosts for every minute no, they have to deal with me. I think we're just really densely packed. Like yeah. we have a lot of segments, but we also have a lot of things that I feel like are a little more unique than what a lot of other shows do. Like I don't know many others that cover news and stuff. Of course, only out of the ones that I've listened to. There are loads of anime podcasts yeah. out there. But um, yeah, we, we have so much stuff and there are definitely podcasts that cover each of our segments by themselves. Like just like just a manga podcast, just, you know, seasonal anime, just retro anime. But we kind of just cover everything. So <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 difficult trying to keep everything, but under two hours. Well, I think this person is saying keep it and don't like and extend it yeah guys we have things to do <laughs> some of us have lives <laughs> some of us have to like i have groceries some of us have to work in the morning <laughs> yeah oh god yeah it's so funny like um speaking speaking of not moving on the um it's so funny that like after working from home for good lord it's been like half a year at this point when i do have to go into the office for like a day i'm so indignant about it like i don't want to fucking go like i have no reason i don't i don't I live right now. I have like an eight minute commute and um, my office is like empty. So there's like almost no risk of any kind of like coronavirus stuff going on. But like, I'm just like, I don't want to go to the office. <laughs> and when I do go, I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt. Like I just, it's funny how things happen. Speaking of working and tomorrow's Monday. Yeah. Oh, no. yikes. No, yikes. Krispies. No way. And with that, I think we will go to our actual final segment of the episode as we are about to round the clock over into two hours, which is the review of the big O. It's showtime. Mega deuce. (laughs) So this was. (laughs) Sorry. This was a retro review that uh, one of the ones I had suggested. I did not know. Anything going into this show, I, you know, this was always a term that was thrown around, big O, big O, big O. And I was like, oh, that seems like it's probably a good show if people are talking about it a lot. It seems to be fueled a lot by nostalgia. This aired on Cartoon Network back in the day. And it's, you know, I think it's about two decades old. You can watch it on High Dive. But just season one, just the first 13 episodes, which which is interesting because... This was originally supposed to be a 26-episode show. It started airing. It did kind of so poorly in Japan that they cut it, just went with 13 episodes, and it was such a success in the Western market that Cartoon Network helped fund it and bring it back for the last 13 episodes. So legally, only the first half of this show is available, and I didn't really have a ton of expectations going into it. But what is Big O? Big O is the story of Paradigm City, which is a city where 40 years ago a calamity occurred and people lost their memories of the time that 
of a moment that happened. And there's this whole kind of shroud of mystery that and covers over the town and our main character, Roger Smith, uh, which is a little bit of a better name than Peter Grill, but he is a negotiator who goes around in a very... I don't know. He's a mix between like Batman and no, he is Phoenix Batman. Wright. He's Batman. He's, but he looks like the, he should be saying objection constantly. Brother, he, and, he, uh, he wears black. He lives in a mansion. He has a Batcave and a butler. He's fucking yep. Batman. He's, he's pretty much Batman. It's funny. This looks and sounds just like uh, Batman the Animated Series because it was mm-hmm. done by the same studio Sunrise some, who did the subcontracting work for that. And yeah, it's very much batman the anime uh just with mecha robots but essentially he goes around he negotiates deals with uh big corporations crime syndicates and usually those negotiations somehow meander and turn into giant mecha robot battles and as he continues these cases he starts to uncover the secret of the city and what is at the heart of this paradigm city in which he lies so i guess i kind of touched on it but did you guys have any initial expectations going into this work well i'd seen about half of the big o already um so or maybe just like half of it in pieces it's almost like when you just catch like a random episode of south park you know and you're like i've seen some south park but uh because it was on tv for a while and back when this was on tv was in the time when i was big on i had cable back then and i was like oh yeah this is like toonami and adult swim and sometimes the big o would be on and i'd catch an episode here and there so you know i'd seen it i'd seen enough to pretty much know what it was and um but i didn't really think i knew if it was actually a good show or not in my opinion of course so it was kind of i was kind of interested in finally watching it and getting having a full like opinion so um, I never watched it when it was originally airing, and I, I haven't. Uh, this is my first time watching it, and I didn't have any huge expectations going in. Only that, uh, judging off of the going off of the artwork and just screenshots that I have seen, I thought that it was going to be like a kind of um, sort of like Batman, kind of just an action kind of spy noir show with robots or mechas. So I don't know. It it definitely looks so much like so much like Batman. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting sort of that kind of thing, except with Becca's. I don't know. Nice, nice. So we will go into our spoiler-free recommendations, and I'll start with the obvious question, which I think we can all answer: Is did you guys watch the subbed or dubbed? Uh, dubbed. 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 And did you watch the entire twenty-six episodes or just thirteen? Yeah, all of it. All of it. Okay, just just double checking because there's quite the shift on that halfway point. But I also yeah, I was gonna say, did you did you say that it's on the first half is on high dive? The first half is on high dive. Yeah, and it, it's funny, kind of going into my spoiler free review. The first half of this 13 episode show, I could see definitely digging the show very on a week to week basis. Like it's very episodic. It's very almost monster of the week but they bring back the same villains repeatedly so it's, i guess yeah. it's more like power rangers but it's you could sit down and be like oh that looks kind of cool there's not much of a depth to the show there's not much of a plot he goes to negotiating thing things go down there's a big robot fight the case closed everything's wrapped up and you watch the next episode the next time you see it like music you said just by chance and i could see how that style works 
And then the second half was definitely more almost gynaxy, where they go into this weird, ambitious, convoluted, obtuse plot. And you almost need to watch that back to back to keep track of all these moving parts, all these things going on. And the biggest problem I had is I preferred the second half and the first half really didn't lead a whole, like I didn't need the first half to enjoy the second. The biggest problem is I just couldn't pay attention during the show. It was a constant fight to stay watching and listening. And I just wanted to think about anything else. I was so, I just found myself distracted by the littlest things going on. Like I had to sit away from my computer when I watched this. Otherwise I would find myself just like clicking onto like different websites while the show was playing. I just like, I don't know if I've ever had to battle this hard to care about a show and it's not a bad show. I just, it didn't rope me in with any interest. Yeah. I'm about exactly the same. I think, I think just because the switch between season one and season two was so severe that I, um, I don't know. It really threw me off. Like the first half of the season or the series felt very simple simplistic like there was a little bit of a mystery in there there's a memory a memory loss mystery in there it, but it like mason said it's very monster of the week it's like here's a new case you know it gets you know they conclude it by the end and that was easy to follow but then it becomes it switches very um very harshly in the second half and i saw that the script writer was by the same person who did serial serial experiments lane that explains a lot expect Mm -hmm. that in the second half where it's like very abstract very uh, there there's i don't know it's 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 hard to follow and i feel like it's definitely one of those um, shows where you have to analyze everything that and put pieces all together. And normally I love that stuff, but I think it lost me along the way because I wasn't expecting that to happen. And um, like, I, I really liked Lane, ex- um, Serial Experiments Lane. Um, I thought because I kind of got that feeling at the very beginning, I knew what to expect you know, going forward and kind of the kind of um, weird art style also played into that. But there's something just off putting about the kind of Batman look to it that <laughs> doesn't really work with the, the themes that they're. I don't know. It was it, like Mason said, I had a really hard time paying attention and I was doing really well for the first 13 episodes. Yeah. And then after that, I it just started losing me and I kept losing my place and I go I all of a sudden the credits are rolling and I'm like oh shoot I have to go back what happened <laughs> spoiler nothing happened <laughs> um so yeah they're like if you really love those kind of shows where you have to build theories off of it maybe you would like this one um but normally I love that kind of stuff and this one lost me so I don't know that that's that's where I'm at I I don't strongly recommend it unless you really love that kind of stuff. And then just watch the second half. Yeah. Or if you just like <laughs> Monster of the Week and Mechas, watch the first half and then call it like, I don't know. It seems like two shows for two different sets of fans. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would recommend the Big O. I mean, there's <clears throat> God, there's so many reasons. Like the story is uh, nebulous. I don't know. It's kind of hard to, like, like we already said, it, it, the story's convoluted at best, and it gets worse as it goes on. the The action is 
so-so, very so-so. Like, it's not really... I guess it's kind of like kaiju, sort of, because, like, big monsters show up and they have monster fights, but it's like, they're better. there's better stuff elsewhere. Uh, the characters in this aren't all that interesting. They're not... I think that's my problem, is just the characters yeah. are not interesting enough for me to stick with I, it. I softly disagree, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to spoilers. It's like, does anybody think that Batman is all that cool and, or interesting when he's actually Bruce yeah. Wayne? Yeah. Yes? yeah, everyone wants to be Batman. But you want to be Bruce Wayne. I'm the Batman. Yeah, but you Where are the other drugs going? But you want to be Bruce Wayne. Because, yes. because Roger he's Smith... He's rich. Well, well, there's that. But, um, and he has a great chin. But you know how much manga that can buy me <laughs> a, a lot, but um, the characters just aren't that interesting. And even like the I can't speak for the for the sub, but the dub, even the voice acting, I didn't think was all that good. I don't even think Steve Bloom gives a very good performance in this. Um, there are sections where you can just tell that they don't they're not aware of the, what's happening in the conversation. It's almost like they're sort of reading lines out of context and like you're like, oh, that's the wrong inflection. Um, it doesn't feel natural. It's uh, it's just it's just lackluster, I would say, and I, I do like the mecha's designs. Like I'm always, I always love mecha designs. Like they just look sunrise. You know, it's it's what they do, I guess, to an extent. But ultimately, I just think the Big O was a letdown, and I think I enjoyed it more at the beginning, and then I started, and I enjoyed it less and less as it rolled on, and I think that's a huge issue. Um, so yeah, not really recommending. There you go. Well, with that, we will go into spoilers. We'll, we will talk about all the sorts of things that happens or we we'll think happen. We'll try. <laughs> These are all conjectures. There is no set in stone thing. So there yeah. will be light spoilers, but we will go on to talk about characters and art and animation and music. So if you want to stick around and uh, we will get to that. Play the drop. Spoilers are coming. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Guys, I, what happened? <laughs> I'd like to start with the plot, and okay. starting with the first part, where these, there's all these episodic mysteries, I thought the most interesting part of the mystery was wondering what contrived reason would a giant robot appear? Like, they would go to, like, a piano bar where um, Roger and his, like, uh, android assistant Dorothy would be learning to play piano, and I'm like, okay, I know 18 minutes from now there is going to be a giant robot fight. Yeah. What what are they going to pull out of their butt to make that reason so? Or like they're investigating uh, a journalist, and it's like, how is this going to snowball into? And it was never really like a domino effect. It was always like all of a sudden this guy just brings out a big robot, and he's like, oh well, I guess it's now time to bring out my big robot. It felt like Power Rangers, where you could see the steps were like, oh, they're going to fight the little people, and then they're going to fight. The big bad, and then the big bad's gonna grow up and become monstrous, and then they're gonna bring out their Megazord. Like, you could see that happening at the end of all of these initial episodes that I was just kind of like not invested in the mysteries because I saw how they would all end with a big punch. Let's measure the size, let's compare the size of our robots. How about that? Oh, okay, there we go. Who's got the big numbers? That's what we're all about here. But as as Mitz looks it up, I think the problem I had with the first half is that it kept on alluding to all these interesting ideas about the lack of memories and what what yeah. kind of person are you if you can't remember what you were or what became of you. And I kept on, I was like, oh, these are interesting thoughts. I want to see where they go with this. And they didn't go anywhere. They just kept right. on saying memories. They Sometimes they come to you and sometimes they don't. Tough luck. Well, there's like this mystery, right? It's like, oh... 
like there was a section where they were killing senators or whatever. And I was like, why are they killing the senators? And then they start talking about how like some of these people got their memories back. And so they had to be wiped out. And it's like, oh, what are they trying to hide? The tomatoes. The tomatoes. What is is the secret? And then like, I don't know, just didn't really go anywhere. And and then then it it got weird. It got weird. (laughs) Very weird. So I guess before I launch into the second half, Mandy, did you have any comments about the first or... Um, yeah, no, I thought Dorothy was a really cool character, and uh, I thought a lot of it was going to deal with um, the interaction between, like, androids and humans, and it seems a little cliche. I, th- I was thinking about the episode with the robot detective, and um, I they, you'd get a feeling that there's a little bit of a mistrust between them in that episode, and it is a little cliche. Because a lot of series do that. And I mean, but I still eat that shit up like Pluto. I fucking love Pluto. <laughs> so yeah. the manga by Urasawa. Mm-hmm. So um, I was expecting some of that, but it, you know, it obviously wasn't, the whole series wasn't about that. It was just like a little, um, you know, mentions here and there. But I did think that Dorothy was a cool character to introduce to it. And I liked um, like the perspective of the android versus. Uh, the humans was kind of cool, but that was like the, only the first half, but there definitely was like a lot of mystery in there. And I was curious, I was like, Ooh, what are all these, like, what happened? How did everyone lose their memories? And what are these domes that everyone's talking about? Cause I think, didn't they say that everyone's living under, under this the dome? This, yeah. The dome. Yeah, and and like- I was like, Ooh, it's kind of like, um, like kind of like attack on Titan. What's out there? What's going on? Yeah. So it's kind of curious. Like what, what are they hiding? What are they trying to keep everyone from? And I thought that was really cool. And it does, if you put all the pieces together, I have, like, there there are theories, but I still felt like, I don't know, I didn't feel satisfied at the no. end. I felt like none of it came to a point where it was like, oh, you know, that light bulb moment where it all clicks together. It was just kind of like, I think this is going to happen, but I'm not sure. So, I don't know, maybe it's because of that it didn't feel as satisfying to me because I didn't I... get enough info. Sorry. I like the ending. So essentially in my interpretation. You also like Evangelion. I do. I do. This, the, all of the big O is, in my opinion, about Japan's perception of itself after World War II. The, mm. this, this traumatizing event has happened in their history. You have this war period and Japan is thinking about how are we going to move on with this kind of defining our history. Where did we get these giant uh, militaristic weapons of doom? How do we know how to use them? What cost did it give our civilization? And, you know, how do we move forward as a society knowing that there were war crimes committed or travesties committed? Like, how do we as a society progress? And how do we accept what we did and what was done? And how do we not just blindly move forward without accepting the past? And I think that's at the core what they were trying to say with these forgotten memories and you can't move forward without coming to terms what with what happened and i think that doesn't get touched on until way later sorry in the second half and that kind of explains where these weaponized units came from and i think that acceptance is what they're trying to say and there's a couple moments couple explosions later on similar to in a lot of other anime that reminded me of the hiroshima bomb dropping except instead of the classic mushroom cloud that we see we see 
buildings ripped apart in a very similar dome-esque fashion, like the thing we saw when we visited the city. And I think that is inherently an interesting point to be made. And at the end, when we get that flashback, which is kind of a flash forward at the same time, it's, you know, what is the answer? The answer is modern day Japan. How will that nation continue? And it's kind of the question is left up to the audience to think about how will we as the audience in this nation move forward? And I found that interesting, but I didn't think it needed 26 episodes to say that. Possibly. That, that, I mean, that's an interesting theory. It's a lot like how you're, I'm always like theorizing about like about Habane Renmei or some of these other shows where it's kind of, where like, it's not, it's not hand, just given to you. Like what it's like, what is this about? You know, you have to kind of apply a theory and then sort of look at different, different points that might support your theory. If, and, and it kind of makes sense that, that 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 could be possible since the city is certainly a shit show, a lot like Gotham. And, and, um, and if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna remember or accept their the flaws of the past, then maybe they can't move on and improve the city or get out of the dome, or whatever. But then I want, but then it's like there's an awful lot of people trying to. It seems to me that there's a lot of people trying to prevent people from remembering, or they're trying to destroy or dent or hurt the city. And then I'm like, well, why why would someone try to prevent them from remembering? Like, what is the if if it's a usually these shows that are about like. Japan not being able to get over World War II, it's usually a criticism of the country and that they want the country to, to move on, but they are like, oh, I'm going to criticize the country because they don't seem to be able to. And then it's, so then I think, okay, well then the show normally, like the, the message wouldn't be, let's try to prevent the country from moving on. It's more that they're just not. So then I wonder why they're trying to prevent them from remembering. And if they're not trying to prevent them from, from remembering, please correct me, because the show wasn't exactly clear in a lot of times. Nothing in the show is clear. I think what I put together from everything that I witnessed was that, um, like Mason said, there's, you know, the big war, but only this little city survived it that lives under the dome. And in order to keep them put together, they started making clones. Everybody's a clone. It's all, every uh, everything in that, all life under that dome is simulated. And so they implant them with the clones with memories of just before that big, um, you know, the, the bomb that destroys all life on Earth. Oh, okay. And um, so I... And I don't know somehow. Somehow the memories get mixed up, and they get from different points of history right before there. Because like you see, um, Rogers' memories from way before, like from a completely different point of time. And some of the like Dorothy uh, remembers like all different kinds of timelines in there. And that's what I put together is that every all the life under this dome is simulated, and the only way that they can keep it functioning. And is to keep it in a time loop right before that war happened so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's all, I, it's all synthetic. It's all tomatoes. Yeah. It's all them coming to terms with it, but having to figure it out themselves. That's what I put together, but I also didn't feel very satisfied. It's all <laughs> just like, various. Well, I, I think the plot is inherently going to be a nebulous discussion. And I think yeah. if anyone came to me and said, oh, I think this happens, I would be like, yeah, I could definitely see that. So... I think moving on to characters is kind of the next point to go. If you don't have a plot to tie it down to, 
I guess, characters are the next best thing. I thought the villains were pretty weak, but I actually really liked Roger, and I really liked Dorothy. I think yeah. they were a great pair, because Roger is... He wants to be Bruce Wayne. He wants to be this cool, hard-boiled guy, and he's such a doofus. Like, yeah. he, he just... He wants to be cool. He wants to have that swagger, and he is constantly blindsided by wanting to be cool and looking like a doofus. And Dorothy, who is the sidekick, is that calm, badass, level-headed character that Roger wishes he was like like in the comic books. And I think their interplay, every time she just coolly looks at him and says, like, Roger, you louse, uh, I yeah, laugh exactly every time. Like I, her eyes, I know she's supposed to be an android, but always looked like they were just drawn on. And I know she's literally an animated character. Literally drawn and she on. she is supposed to be an android, so it makes sense that they would be drawn on. But her <laughs> eyes just didn't look like anyone else's, and it bugged me. Uh, I love her, like, hairband disc drive that goes in and out. Like, there's so many little cool design mecha moments in the show that Mitsugi talked about where that's what Sunrise does best. Yeah. And there's just, I don't know, this the whole, like, newer ex- aesthetic of the show from, like, the traffic lights that change at the same time to like the room of hourglasses to these slanted lifts. Like the world is inherently looks cool and it's very style over practicality. And I just like the way the show looks and I like the two main characters. And yet I still just didn't jive with the show and I don't quite know why. Mitz has a cursor over my eyeball on Twitch. It's funny. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> It's okay. I'm just kidding. It was just like, it looked like I was crying. <laughs> I didn't even know that that cursor was visible. Oh, wow. I learned something. Uh, no, I love Dorothy, and I love their interactions as well. I love it how she always wanted to play piano in the morning, because that's what um, super she remembered. Loud. Yeah, super loud. That's what she has memories of from the girl that she's supposed to be modeled after, and uh, Roger hates it, because it always wakes him up, so he just tied up the entire piano final. Thing. Yeah. That was funny. Stuff like that was really cool. But and actually, I love the butler. The butler is cool. Yeah, too. he was pretty badass. Actually, my favorite Dorothy moment is early in season one, She someone like captures her by like turning on the magnet above her, and she gets stuck, and you're like, haha, she's metal. I get it. But then later in season two, someone turns on the magnet above her, but she doesn't just instantly get like sucked up. She like slowly drifts up and she just like (laughs) berates Roger for being a doofus. And she's just like super casual about it. And I love that scene so much. It is funny. Like she's not phased in the slightest. Uh, She's the best. I feel like the show functions pretty well with just Dorothy and Roger and the butler. And I almost wish it had been a simpler, less convoluted show where it was Roger going out to fight crime that was almost like uh, a bubblegum crisis or a uh, what was there's, there's other there's another show where they where they have we just watch it oh um that was a police show we just watched where they're fighting like the the boomer or not the boomers but the the boomers? The boomers. <laughs> Get out of my chat, boomers. Get out of here, boomers. <laughs> well, I think they're called boomers in Bubblegum Crisis. But there was that com- oh. there was that comedy police show we watched um like as a retro a couple months ago. I can't remember. I'm, I'm I can't remember shit. But like I it, well, it almost would have been better to me if Roger was going out to fight crime that involved other robots and the butler was there to be the butler and fix things and be everyone's favorite in secret or whatever. And then Dorothy's like Robin, but so she'll like help out from time to time, and and what you know, however. Um, but the, I think the show just tries it because they're all they're all pretty good. 
they're not great characters, but when you look at Roger Smith, you're like, hmm, I liked him okay. He was pretty good. But then, like, I think Roger and Dorothy and the butler together as a trio, all they function pretty well. But the show, I just feel like it tries to do too much, and ultimately, uh, the villain and um, Dust, like, God, the show even has the freaking police chief, like Dustin or whatever his name is. It's hilarious. <laughs> but the Jackson show just tries something. It, it just tries to do too much. There's too much um, that unexplained, too much, too much, uh, just wasted time on story points that don't really seem to they seem to be afterthoughts because ultimately i thought that like the main characters were likable enough like they're not like spike spiegel level great but i mean i've certainly have seen anime characters that are less memorable so you brought up a funny name for robots called boomers yeah. uh i want to talk about the name megaduce and how that was never oh not funny God, because funny. i i watched the sub or the I watched the show coming, both sub and dub. And I started in dub because that's what everyone said to do. Yep. Um, you got my boy Steve Bloom out there. And every time they said, time for bringing out the Megadeuce or, oh, it's a big Megadeuce, I, I was immature and I thought it was hilarious and I was it laughing my butt off. And then I went to the subs and I realized they were spelling it Megadeuce with yeah. the deuce being D-E-U-S as in like deuce. deus as in God in you Latin. And I'm like, it. oh, that makes sense, but no, it's ever going to be a big poop in my book for <sighs> how they saw. And the dub so was kind of competent. I think Steve gave Roger more of a like silly demeanor to every time he messed up. Um, so I thought that was kind of, I, I think that lended a lot to his charm and to the show as a whole. Um, one of my favorite moments from the dub that they kept in there, and actually said it more than in the sub, is there's a moment where a bunch of photographers are taking pictures of this big robot. They're like, ah, oh, Sigoy, 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 Sigoy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was I, I watched it in sub. They don't say Sigoy as much. Like one person <laughs> oh. says it, but I think the dub people are just like, oh, we're I going all in. I was wondering what that would be like in Japanese. Because yep. they're supposed to be like Japanese like tourists. Exactly. And it was, it was really funny. But uh, <laughs> overall, the sound of the show besides the dub like i liked a lot of the like the saxophone pieces it was very stylish and snazzy a lot of like jazzy tunes uh i thought that the big op didn't do much for me it was kind of just like a ripoff and it was catchy and it stuck in my head but i didn't think it was all that good big o Big O. Big O. Big O. Big O. Big O. It was uh, it's like very Flash Gordon-y, I think. Yeah. Deuce. I thought the overall style of it was kind of cool because I mean it does it looks exactly like like you said Batman, but um, for an anime, I thought it was kind of cool. And I, I definitely see why maybe it didn't pick up in Japan as much as it did over here because it does definitely has more of a Western cartoon style to it. But um, I didn't think the animation was fantastic. No, it, it didn't was move not. very well. Nope. <laughs> no, but it kind of fit like the stiff tone of the thing. Like every time like the car drove over the camera and it was like really elongated. Like I like the perspectives and the color palette, but like Mandy said, it animation wise was very chunky which is fine for robots but when people are moving that stiff it's not as good of a look can't play it off as well how'd you like the sound effects that the road that the big o makes when he walks oh god they're so weird pew pew is definitely like transformers <laughs> old transformers <laughs> what's out of like <laughs> yeah <laughs> there were some move some action movements where it's like pew 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 i was like oh no there was like no <laughs> weight to it yeah <laughs> 
I hate that stuff. But it's uh, that's so common in old mecha shows, though. Mm-hmm. Some dude is just like hitting pots and pans around the studio, and that's what they're using for FX. Uh, well, not mechas, but at least going off Transformers. I've heard those sound effects so many times in Transformers. <laughs> weird, very weird laser beam kind of sound effects. <laughs> I guess I didn't feel like they needed to have a lot of the moments that they did. I didn't think a lot of the villains they needed to have. I didn't think the show even needed mechs. I think it would have been yeah. fine without them. Like I agree. But there's Roger just too have much a, going on. Roger doesn't carry a gun. How's he going to fight? He's got a watch, silly. And that uh, all of a sudden can like melt oh uh, metal beams. Oh my god! Like, I oh yeah. Speaking of like the sudden Evangelion ref- references with like all the like the cross poses, like okay, we get it, we get it. Yeah. Like I get that. Um, Batman doesn't use he, Batman doesn't use guns, but he has all kinds of cool gadgets. He's got way more than a freaking watch. He's got a batarang and armor. he doesn't have a Dorothy. Well, no, but he's got Robin. Hello. <laughs> and Batgirl, that's such I guess. a settling comparison. I don't know. Batman has all kinds of these co- these cohorts that show up, but I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think know. I'm I ready know. to score it. I don't have much more to say about the big O, to be honest. You guys ready to go to our final scores? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I think I actually said everything I need to do. Yeah. I don't know. The show was two different beasts. I I think I'm one of the few who kind of like the ending. Um, and I wanted to like the style of the show and I don't know what fell flat. It just, I, I could see this being really good watching it week to week, the first half back when it was airing and thinking it was fun and cool. But I think with any sort of retrospect, it just doesn't hold up that well. And its themes are not as deep as I would have liked them to be. So I'm going to give it one and a half show times out of five. Oh, it's showtime. One and a half? Ooh. Damn. God dang. Ooh, Mason comes in with the, with, the, with the hatchet and just chops off an arm. I was bored and I wasn't even going to give it a one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Your arm is off. And, no, it isn't. And really, that it was a it was actually a one until like the last five oh episodes. God. Holy shit. And um, then I would have said a 1.0, but... Man, I think that the big O was pretty average in most ways. And I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't really like it either. And so I'm going to give it as middle of the road of a score as I can. And I'm going to give it... Uh, uh, That'd be 2.5. He's like 5 divided by 2. <laughs> well, it's half the, of 5. It's the 2. decimal 5. comes over. <laughs> But we know that you're thinking of a score thing to give. Yeah, I'm gonna give yeah, it. You know, know. What, you know, just for the sake of being funny, I'm gonna give it two deuces. Hey, oh shit! I was waiting for. I, th- I was actually gonna say that at the beginning when you're like mega deuce. It is a mega deuce. You know what? Screw I'm gonna it. Give I, two listen. Deuces. I'm gonna give it. I'm changing it. I'm gonna give it two and a half deuces that I just couldn't pinch off out of five because some of it's still you know. Uh, one of them's turtling. Okay, oh so if you gave God. it two and a half deuces and deuces are two, that means you gave it. Five Five? Um, never mind. Mandy, what do you got for us? <laughs> what what poop um, base pun do you have to oh, uh, have slide this show pun. into the toilet? <laughs> um, I think that the, I can definitely see this one being um, 
you know, harshly debated over. I definitely see if you're in the camp of uh, you need things a little bit more straightforward and maybe that kind of abstract um, sort of serial experiments lane type show is off-putting for you. You're probably going to hate it, but can also definitely see a group of people who think that this is a masterpiece that you can um, debate over. And that's fine. I'm not saying that you're wrong at all, but... um, because I, I also have a lot of shows like that. <laughs> but uh, I definitely say this is for a group of fans who love to make theories and put all the puzzle pieces together. I think for me personally, it was just a really weird shift from part one, to, you know, first half to second half that it put me off and I ended up getting really bored. But I was almost exactly like Mitz. I am kind of in the middle of the road. I didn't hate it. Also didn't love it. So I don't highly recommend it. But I can definitely see the appeal that people have for it. So um, I'm going to give it 2.5 piano wake-up calls out of 5. Hugging his pillow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the big O. Okay. And I'm not sure what we're doing next week yet, but we'll figure it out. We have, we've, that was the last, well, I guess it really wasn't from a recent season, but that was technically part of our winter season for 2020. Now that's gone. Goodbye. Goodbye, Big O. And so now we've got an awful lot from spring. So we're going to, we're going to be jumping into spring here now. And um, we'll have, we got a lot of those to cover. So we're going to have to bust out an order for those. And I'll have those up on the website pretty soon here. So. Oh, what website might that be? Oh, brother, it's aaapodcast.com. Again, if you want to help out the podcast, it's aaapodcast.com slash join. We're also on Patreon. Help us out. We'll give you all the hentai episodes, hobby addicts, and after parties you can handle. Speaking of after parties, we're going to be doing one right after the podcast today, so you don't have to miss a minute. And you can find us on all the social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, of course. We're on Twitch live every sunday at 5 p.m eastern we are on discord as well so check us out on discord where are you guys located on twitter for people who want to follow you and get the hot takes from mason and all the fan art from mandy i am mandy x mandy and 90 percent of my feed is hunter hunter so if you like that come follow me Uh, you can find me at Macy Pacey. That's M-A-C-E-Y-P-A-C-E-Y. I talk about um, Bosco sticks and alternatives to anime 3 by 3 So a big range of stuff over there. I'm at Pope Mitsugi. Lately, you can hear me decrying the death of the Xbox. That's pretty much all I'm doing. And um, that's about it, guys. We'll see you next week on the podcast. I'm not sure what we're doing yet, but I know it'll be great. And we know you'll be there with us. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye, guys. See ya.